This is Jonathan Hickman, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> I, I have to admit, in light of Jason's woohoo for two weeks, I was trying it on my own, like in the car, as I was going from point A to point B. I'm not a, I'm not a good woohooer. I'm not. You can't, you can't be um, ambivalent about life and say woohoo. Oh, that's how it is? <laughs> Dude, you're, last week I quote, you were like, I just don't know how I'm... I'm <laughs> and I wish I wasn't. I really wish I wasn't. I didn't know what to do. Got to get some love in my life. You well, got if lots you of love, reached man. out to us, you know, you got so much love in twenty minutes a fucking day, you, you might get some of that love. <laughs> wow. Pig mouth already. We share, we share, we share pretty ladies. We share beautiful art all day. You love art. Yeah, I do. Especially with, when it's in comic books, we we were looking forward to reading and then get and then get shit on. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. <laughs> Thanks, Mr. D. (laughs) Hey, everybody. It's 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 556. Pick up sticks. And I am Vince B. Oh, you sure as hell are. I'm so glad you are Vince B. And I'm David A. Price. Yes, you are. And I am, to some people, J.T. Lancer, better known as Sam Weber, but really Tom Barringer. Wow, that's three people. You're a triple changer. Well, it's very meta. It is. Oh, it's very meta. Tom Barringer acted in a movie playing a character named Sam Weber, who was an actor playing a character named J.T. Lancer. Right. Gotcha. Beautiful. But you're you're not any of those people. You're Jason Wood. Back together again. Depp's back. Everything's right with the world. And here we are giving you the comic book poop de scoop de whoop de boop. For you. I can't get that stupid thing out of my head. Scoopity scoop. Scoop de scoop de poop. It makes no sense, but that's why I love it. And is that what it's supposed to be? Is he saying, y'all think you got something important to say, but what you're really saying is gibberish? Who knows? Is that, Probably. What, is that uh, what that means? I can't tell you. I have to put any thought into it. Oh, okay. Yeezy's dead to me. Oh, <laughs> But you know who's not dead to me? And you don't have to really put any thought into it either. If you want to get some cheap comic books, all you got to do is go to Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com. One more time, dcbservice.com, and you will get all the books in the previews for the cheapest. Yeah, the the, uh, new list of specials has been posted. And oh my goodness, I picked three. But there's really only one you better make sure that's on your list. If you want to be, if you want to be a friend of mine, you better make sure that this book is on your list. From Viz, it's Frankenstein by Junji Ito. Yes, uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. The dude, the manga ka of uh, he's amazing. It is, it says here, Junji Ito meets Mary Shelley. The master of horror manga blends 
or bends all his skill into bringing the anguished and solitary monster and the fouler beast who created him to life with the brilliantly detailed chiaroscuro he is known for. Yikes! This thing is a massive tome and it's a hardcover. Now get this. twenty two ninety nine cover price. Respect. Viz. That's cool. Respect. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. because you're smart, you're going to pay $11.49. This better be on your order form. And there's other stuff in here in addition to the Frankenstein story. Second on the list, and this better be on your list too, from Boom. Alejandro Jodorowsky is the writer. Ladron is the artist. It is The Sons of El Topo, Volume 1. Kane, have either of you seen the El Topo movie? Yes. Well, yeah. We talked about this when the... Uh, the um documentary came out yes okay so you, you're gonna order this yes yeah you talked me into it mm-hmm. okay alejandro yodorowsky he of uh the inkle and uh, meta barons and many fine movies that we watch over and over and over and over again um is bringing you a continuation of el topo albeit in sequential art form illustrated by the awesome ladron now again hardcover Oversize, nineteen ninety nine cover price. What? Nope. You can has it for nine dollars and ninety nine cents. And last but certainly not least, at least in my heart, from Dynamite, written by Kyle Starks, art by Chris Schweitzer, cover artist for the issue that I have selected here that I'm looking at, Tom Mandrake. It is Mars Attacks number one, three ninety nine cover price. What are they going to pay, Dap? One ninety nine. Yeah, dollar ninety nine. There is absolutely no decision here at all. It's all done for you. DCBService.com. They don't mind late orders. Order editions, and you get your books all shipped up, nice and safe and secure, right to your door. Falling off a horse is more difficult. DCBService.com. Go. Well, let's see. What uh, what are you drinking, Vince? I have something new. Oh! From Frontier. Oh, sorry. Frontera. Uh, yeah. It is the uh, Cabernet Sauvignon, mm-hmm. and it's good. And I have some of the uh, the Ergo left, the Rojo nice. from Blast. Uh-huh. So I got, that, I got all the grape all over the place. That, 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 that Frontera, that, that's the big bottle, right? Um, what is big in your vernacular? How big is the Ergo bottle compared to the Frontier? Mm, well, the Frontier is twice as fat. This is That's what I'm, yeah, yeah. It's, and it's so 2017 it's Cabernet. Yeah, so it's nice and fresh. <laughs> what kind of cork was it? Was it a wax cork or a natural cork? No, it's a corky cork. It's a cork. Concha y Toro. Yeah. I love it. It's a regular cork. You the main. I the main. What do you have, Jason? Well, this is not new, but I haven't drank it in a while. Uh, but it's uh, it's re- in the regular rotation. I don't know, Dad. Well, I'm going to tell you what I'm drinking. Then you, I want to know. I forget if I ever let opened up a bottle when you guys were here. Uh, Close de los siete. Mm-hmm. The uh, Spanish table wine that I like. Yep, many times. Cool. All right. Mm-hmm. Wait, no. Oh, see, Dap says no. He's, you've had that here before. 
He's had it on the show, but he's never no, had I mean, it. Have you he never, he never had any here. with us. We've never had it. He, he's never popped a bottle when Oh, we no, were I never had any of that. All right. right. He doesn't give us the good stuff. No, no. No, it's, this isn't that expensive. Oh. <laughs> oh, it's not. I know my shit's expensive, but it's a $15 dollar bottle. Oh, that's not bad. No. I'd buy that. That's why we buy That's why we buy it. It's like the, our go-to. Is it delish? It's fantastic. Oh, that's I think well, I, 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 I mean, Dap and I, I think have similar wine tastes. We I, we both like blends. We like drier, little you know, not the sweet yeah. fruity. That so it's 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 all that. It's a nice nice mouth feel. I'm not a fan of fruity. No, it's you, nor you are a fan of coffee. Oh yeah, <laughs> at least at least <laughs> ten cups that, a that's day. That's a line Jason will draw in the sand. Yeah. Well. No, I love coffee. Yes, no, I, I know. I, I drink I know. coffee Sorry. more than I drink wine, probably. But yeah, same. But coffee and wine should not be mor- morphed together. I love tuna fish. I love chocolate. I don't want to eat a chocolate tuna fish. <laughs> I don't know. It sounds kind of good. See, yeah. I, I'm the same way with my my beer. I can't have sweet in my beer. Can't no, have that. I either. don't like it. I don't like yeah, yeah. like Blue Moon too sweet. Nope. This uh, really? yeah. These uh, these like shandies everyone are into now. Nah, son. Nope. Nope. Chocolate beer. Oh. Stick it up your your dumper. I don't want it. Now that said, I will drink coffee beer. Yeah. Damn. Oop, yep. No. But most importantly, the king, the dat. What are you drinking? Uh, I too am enjoying something that I've had quite a bit on this uh, this little show of ours. This is Mato Backbone, their Cabernet Sauvignon from california and 2014 is what i'm drinking nice i have a couple thank yous Uh, okay good i um i don't necessarily have a thank you but i do have um to make up for lost time but please okay i i have two as i said the first brandon lee archer sent me a book he sent oh, nice. me, yeah, he sent me Josh Simmons' Flayed Corpse, the hardcover from uh, Fanographics. Josh Simmons oh, nice. and Friends. I copy. I should just sent you mine. Oh, it's awesome. Uh, I, I, I burned through it, and I, I want to read it again. Um, it's, it's my level of debauchery and disturbingness. Mm-hmm. It, it was a little too extreme for him, so he was kind enough to send it to me. That's awesome. And out of the blue, I, I get a an Amazon fulfillment package. I'm like, what? I didn't order anything. Uh, Jonathan Yen sent me, yes, sent me two, the next two books in Andrew Cartmel's The Vinyl Detective. He sent me book two. Oh, sweet. The Run Out Groove and he sent me book three, Mystery Disc. So, we all know who to blame now, Jonathan Yen, when the book of the month rolls around and I don't have it read or next episode, I don't have any comics read because once I get on word one of the second book, I'm not going to stop till I read two and three, because well, this series say, is that good. I'm I'm glad you're on vacation next week and you can take these books with you. I can take them with me, so I'm not too concerned about you missing out on this month's book of the month, which the voting closes Friday. Yep, uh, and I think we all know what we're reading, but uh, although it's, it's Stuck with my close. Uh, the um, so yeah, so because you're on vacation, because you have these books, because you are a 
voracious and and, and a quick reader. Mm, I'm not worried. I don't about know you about a quick reader having, um, but I am a voracious reader. Well, see, that's you're right because I'm not saying no. I don't want to say you're right. You're not a quick reader. You read something this morning and that <laughs> that, that came out today, and it was pretty quick. But then when I read it, it's no surprise that it was a pretty quick read. But yes, you're oh okay. So so um, I'm glad. Uh, yes. I, I will say the the uh, in order in, to compare it to the fine wines that we like to imbibe, the uh, vinyl detective books are amazing. The the wordplay is <clears throat> it's it's like to my ears and my my mind's ear when you're reading the words have a sound and a rhythm in in, in my mind and it is it's just like the finest finest music to me. I love this the way this Andrew Cartmel writes. And and the, the subject isn't matters. It, isn't it great? I'm, I'm like, we were busting on you about uh, your apathy, but isn't it great that that there are still things like comics like this that that turn you turn you on? Well, I hope there there will be comics like this because this this is prose, but the way oh, okay. and well, and they're from Titan books. Then. No, things. right, and they're from Titan books, which is mm-hmm. a which is parent company to Titan Comics. So yes. They will be comics someday. I'm I'm pretty certain of it. So y- y'all should get in on it now. Vinyl Detective. Because it's I should have I I I I should have asked Jonathan then to to go ahead and send Jason and I the books. But that's that. I'm I'm glad they 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 got their stupid quick. Uh, oh, this right. is going to infuriate you. They changed the form factor of the books between one God, and two. That's awesome, motherfuckers, man. I you know, I yeah. don't understand that. I don't either. I don't. Um, so it's the same on the first and third? Or no, no. The first one? one is a traditional paperback. Okay. Like we used to buy... Like in buy King in, Mass Market paperback. Yeah, like... Yes. Books. The two and three are the larger oversized. We want to rake more oh, money out of you. Trade yes, paper, okay. Yeah. Your, your young adult model of, yeah. of, of yes. paperback. Yes, it's okay. crazy. It's crazy. Um, I do have a thank you. I, I can't be detailed about it because I walked in from work... Uh, grabbed a glass of wine and came right up here. But I did see that it arrived, which is uh, a I received a hefty sized package from our friends at Titan. Nice, um, yeah. So uh, I next week I'll, I'll have them up here with uh, to shout yes. out specific books. But, yes. but thank you to them. I I, I knew it was Except coming for a while, and uh, I appreciate it. But uh, it looked like a nice hefty package, much like have a hefty what we package. say about that when we see him hey. on a hot summer day. And a not so hot summer day. Uh, so, um, this, uh, Ian, okay, I'm, this is what I grabbed off the Patreon, and, and i pretty sure, um, it's just Ian Robinson on Twitter, but this is a long overdue shout out, he, uh, Ian hit us up on Twitter, and th- this will tie into something we're going to discuss later on in the episode regarding patrons and Patreon, but he, um, Ian hadn't heard his name during our shout-outs, and so I want to rectify that. So, Ian Boma Yee Robinson, thank you very much for your patronage. Uh, this was a overdue shout-out from last week during my quick little Raleigh Supercon recap. As I was walking down by Artist Alley, and I had Cliff next to me on my right, Massimo on my left. Nice. Someone, right? Someone... Uh, comes up behind me and says, excuse me are you david a price and i 
I didn't. I didn't said think the I middle initial. He did. He actually did. He oh did. god! Awesome. This is great. So he says. So I. I said yes, and you are. And I, before he gives me his name, he says, "Yo, I just want to thank you, thank you and the guys for the show, man. You guys have been." I. He was just very, very complimentary. So Elliot Hathaway, thank you tons for stopping me. I didn't even realize I was talking that loud. I don't know mm. what he overheard. But um, I sincerely appreciate him listening and for stopping me, because as we say, whenever we're at a convention, if you see us or now if you hear us, definitely stop us because we love meeting listeners. That's true. Um, Show so, you right. Oh, super, Very true. super hot. Thank you to Elliot and a super huge Mazel Tov to Mario Alba, who is a new yes. American citizen. Yes, and I love that he's excited to be a citizen so he can vote. Yes. And without getting political, vote the right way. Yes, please. please. <laughs> without getting political. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to vote, make sure you vote right. No, don't actually. Don't, no, no, no. Well, you know what I mean. Correct. <laughs> vote correct. Vote the correct way. Yes, vote correct. All right. You want to start from the bottom and then we'll bring it up? Bottom and then we're here. Because yeah, yeah. I have something that may be my favorite book of the year so far, but let's let's get the other thing out of the way. What? It may what? be your favorite book of the no, year? No, no, no. I have another thing I want to talk oh, about. Oh, awesome. I can't wait to hear that. <laughs> you heard his, his balls drop. That was great. Yeah. No way in hell. So, what... Um, is this something new? Is it something that came out today, or is it something you've had sitting for a while that you wanted to talk about? Who? Jay, uh, no, Vince. Oh no, this is not something I've I've had uh, sitting around. This is something that came out today. Mm. There were a couple things that came out today, but so many things. pretty sure I, there was something that that. Was- I, I've I've been looking forward to this book for quite a, a while. Um, when the creative team was announced, I was a little bit leery. Because um, I didn't think, I was afraid that half of the creative team would not be up to snuff. Mm. And unfortunately, my fears were well-founded because both of the creative team, both members of the creative team, I don't think are up to snuff on this book. Um, It's my all-time favorite superhero team is back in, in the Marvel Universe. Um, we all know why they were extricated from the Marvel Universe, but now they're back and they are in the hands of Dan Slott. Sarah Pacelli, um, Simone Bianchi contributes something to this issue, as does Scotty Young and Marte Gracia. Yeah. It is, um, not, uh, right. It's the Fantastic Four, number one. Number one. Yes. Um, and Legacy, it is actually Fantastic Four 646. Mm. The best thing about this book is mm-hmm. the uh, tribute to Steve Ditko. Yes. It's the best thing. Yep. Uh, we get uh, C.B. Cebulski, uh Casada, Nick Lowe, and uh, they weigh in on, on the, the uh, majesty and the magnitude of Mr. Ditko. And then the Fantastic Four begins. Um, the the meat of this story is a uh, the meat of this issue, I should say. It's a little bit oversized, forty eight pages, is it? Um, Dan Slott, Sarah Pacelli, Signal in the Sky, and 
it's it's nothing we haven't already read in the pages of Marvel two and one. It, it's that, basically a Marvel two and one half issue. Yep. It's it's a Marvel two and one half issue. It's it's a, and just I mean I'll just I said it to you guys earlier. It, it to me it was a and this maybe because of how it was presented or how how Sarah illustrated it, but it felt like a very padded out backup story. It was not it it, it was not a, a a main feature type story. Right. To me. I'm not going to hate on it. Be, no, be, because okay. be, I mean, it's it visually and and story wise, there is a certain level of accomplishment that does not re- deserve to be denigrated. It's it's an issue. It's a story. Mm-hmm. The 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 visuals are not bad. The story's not not really that bad, but the thing that that makes me uh a little scared is that it is the first issue of Marvel's first family, a team that we haven't seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be an average issue. It shouldn't be eh, it's okay. This should have been a home run. And they I think Pacelli and Slot both struck out on this. I, I think the story is mundane and boring and the same thing we've read in two and one. I think Pacelli's panels are way too big. They're far mm-hmm. too big. There's there's maybe one or two pages in this thing that I, I looked at and I said, okay, that is a page fitting a Fantastic Four comic. Um, otherwise, I just think there's too much air going on in her panels. I don't think she put enough thought into her design of the thing. It's no. he's awkward and scary. Not, uh, but not as bad as the thing on the main. Oh no, that's, cover. That's nah, son. We can't even discuss that. No, yeah. we're not going to. That's all I'm going to say about it. But again, I mean, I think Susie is is more than attractive enough. Yep. Yep. Uh, um. Crystal's okay. Uh, the the we'll spoil it because it's the only thing that doesn't differentiate this issue from a, an issue of of Marvel two and one is that Ben pops the question proposes to Alicia because he realizes that life is far too short. He's been putting this off for far too long. He he needs a little bit of love in his life. He proposes to Alicia, and she says yes. Of course she says yes. But otherwise, I thought the issue was... It, 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 there Too many panels devoted to Johnny singing. Um, yes. You know, yes, we did need a full page of Ben proposing to Alicia, because it's a yeah, big moment. That's, that, sure, that give, is sure. Give Absolutely. That, and yeah, it was, yeah. it, it's a nice it, it's a nice image. Give, it you is, know, and she's the way you're couching it. No, I'm sorry, Arthur. No, she's yeah. she's sweet looking. Alicia's, you know, I'm glad they didn't mention anything about Johnny and Alicia, and the which scrolls, and the yeah. scrolls. But still, he was attracted to her, whether she was a scroll yeah. or not. Yeah. Um. I I I I I hoped for far more, and I I didn't get it. This yeah. is yeah. I I was going to say I think the way. I didn't weigh in today. You two weighed in more than me. Uh, I was worried you were just going to come out just, 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 just firing acid at it. No, um, but the way you couched it is, is per- it really is perfect because I, I, I didn't, 
I didn't have a I didn't have hate in my heart for this issue, in the sense that I and you said you you said it more, much more eloquently than I was prepared to, which is that it's it's an issue. It's it's not. If you took this same issue and you made it the eleventh issue of the reboot after a massive ten issue yeah. epic arc, right? Like that breather. This is the issue. let them breathe little issue, yes. and Ben yeah. gets engaged, sure, and, yes. John, and they're kind of settling back into real life. I'd be gushing about it. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd love it. I'd say, oh, this is great. It's a little little issue, you know, first family because that is a part of them. Their 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 personal their personal lives, much like with many Marvel characters, are important. But you hit the nail on the head. I know David had the same thoughts as you today. It, it just for for arguably the premier group of Marvel characters that haven't been in print lately to finally come back after years and much hype for the last six months specifically coming back. This just wasn't it no. because it was re- and and frankly it's it was less exciting than. Marvel two in one has been so from my vantage, this would have been a perfect zero issue. Yep. It would have been a perfect, like I just said, issue in between arcs after they've come back and did something important. Um, now I, I don't, I love Pacelli's artwork. So I had seen your comments about the art before I read the issue today. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't find much issue with the art per se. I know she does have a lot of space in her panels, but then again, I think it's largely a character-driven issue. There's she didn't have a lot of chance to strut her stuff. Um, I know she's more than capable of doing the the big cosmic stuff because she spent a long time doing Guardians. Right, her Guardians, so, is, it's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So no. I, I dug the art. I really didn't have much of an issue with the art, but uh, but yeah, I just I just thought that the issue was anticlimactic. Right. Um, the the problems begin for me on the very first page when. And it's Susie's dialogue that I find most troublesome when, mm-hmm. you know, they're all going through uh, the different di- – the different caption boxes have different um, affectations, Effect, yeah. visual, okay. visual clues as to who's saying what. Like Ben's is craggy and orange and Johnny is red and yellow and has a little bit of a flame on one of them. Um, Reed's has a four. But Susie's – are gray and and it's not the, the the visual stylings that that bother me it's it's what she says she says who are we it's simpler than that me the man i love my brother our best friend we are adventurers and we're on the greatest adventure of all being part of a family that's horrible Be- because it's everyone knows the fantastic four is not a superhero team they're a family but mm-hmm. this is slot giving the people what they he thinks they want to hear like okay mm-hmm. i'm supposed to say they're they're imaginots and they're 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 you know we're the first family but we're we're the, we're the first but no we're not we're a family and that's mm-hmm. our that's our strength like we already know that and don't show that or don't tell me that show me that yes yeah you know exactly I, ev- it, yeah. everybody knows this this is it, it's almost as if he cribbed this from every issue of fantastic four that's ever been printed and that's not what we want from this we don't need to see a a, a, f- a photograph of the fantastic four being a family to know that they're a family it's just dumb and it, and it gets off on the wrong foot and the, the majority of this page is a freaking coffee cup like i it's it's just wasted wasted opportunity 
I don't know. I just I like I said. I I, I think the the illustrations are awkward. I think Johnny's awkward. Um, he's it's like she's not comfortable with these characters. The only one she not seems yet, to yeah. be comfortable with is Alicia. Alicia. And why does Wyatt Wingfoot look like Colossus? I don't know, right? <laughs> and and it's another thing. Slot has to mention that Jen and Wyatt were a thing, and he has to have kids do it. How would these kids know? I that know, they're not even old enough to. Oh, yeah. She she made Jen look look sexy, though. But Jen Jen is sexy. Not always, though. Sometimes I'm, I'm, people draw. Her well, yeah, not in that. Yeah, not that that last. But the um, I'm surprised Vince hasn't mentioned the. Uh, the news anchor and and the stat. Oh image. yeah, I don't. I don't. I, I was too busy know, concentrating on true. the story. Yeah. yeah. No, I I think it hurts my heart. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. No, I and I. Fantastic Four is was a was a series that I had next to amazing a pretty solid uninterruptible run and that was because of of burn and yeah once burn left and the falco and, and ryan came on i wasn't really loving what I, I i enjoyed paul ryan's art but what the falco was doing with malice and everything i just and she thing i just so that was the first time i stepped away from the fantastic four for a long chunk of time and i came back with hero's return and then I came back again and have the complete run of the Mark Wade, Mike Ringo, Carl Kessel series. And then I stuck around with JMS because that tied into Civil War. And then this, there's something about, which kind of ties into something else I might discuss later. But I was there for McDuffie and I was, I was bummed about McDuffie basically just keeping the title in print until Miller was ready to come on. But I, I didn't stick around for Mark Miller and Brian Hitch and, and Paul Neary. And then I tried Hickman with Eagle Sham. So I'm always there at the beginning of a fantastic four. I'm always there to give a creative team a chance. And I was here for this, but I'll, I'll come back later. I'm, I, I'm in just like amazing. I don't, I, I don't, after reading this issue, and it was kind of a letdown because it wasn't a Fantastic Four issue because Fantastic Four is not even, I, I get a, a a photo of the team at the beginning of the issue, but, yeah. and then I see reading Sue Barely at the end, and so there's no, so I'll just, I'll, That's, I'll yeah, wait for them to I'm get glad you mentioned the characters. That. I'm glad you mentioned that because I, I'm assuming that the point of the, the whole point of the issue is Johnny has the optimism. Johnny's carrying the torch. Ha ha ha. For, for the you know he's he's he's, so car- crazy. he's carrying the love for his lost sister and brother-in-law. He knows they're going to be back. He just knows it. And and Ben is is the doesn't want to let little buddy down, you know. And to me the 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 focus of this issue is Johnny's devotion to sister and and brother-in-law right so if that's the case why do they the 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 punch to this issue the story johnny's head in a double page spread tiny 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 saying it's about damn time a bad stat of a, a a space shot of earth and a giant four 
Like, to me, okay, that could have been done. You could have had your giant four in space. It should have focused on Johnny looking up and the four in his eyes saying it's about, like, you need some emotional resonance with this. Not a cameo of three people and one oh one mm-hmm. of them is Johnny and it's about damn time. He should be crying. He should be gushing. Well, he, he did that earlier when but he came yeah. down back from the sky and we got the close up of his eye and, and Yeah, tears. it just doesn't it's I just I know. doesn't it's it's a double paid spread that just is totally lost. It's just yeah, right. Yeah. And and you know and it just seems like Slot is trying to get in line with the, the the bigger names who've written Fantastic Four. Hickman put a ton of of strange characters and, and otherworldly tech into into his book and you know Morrison, they all they all do it, right? But we get Astronomica. A a woman who has an incredibly powerful scepter and she can't seem to sing to ignite it. <laughs> so so, oh, lucky I, luckily I, I encountered you people and you have a person who can sing to ignite my scepter. I have this tool, but I can't use it. So, yay, yay that you're here. You know, it's like, it's weird. It just doesn't make sense. I, I don't know. And, and I said this to you, to you guys on the Slack, and it, I, I know it's going to be seen as a case of get off my lawn, but there are a ton of creative teams that have come before. Stan and Jack... Um, Ron Friends uh, and the the Waringo and Wade could have done this issue in half the amount of pages, and it still would have had the punch. Yeah. They would have had more pages for more punches. It's just that it just seems like there's too much air in this story. There's not enough happening. It's not. It's it misses the mark. It does, and I'm sad. Oh, and there's one more thing. I know I'm running off at the mouth. I got the tr- – in my box, it's related. It's related. I, I, in, in my DCBS box, I got the trade of two-in-one, the first tr- two-in-one trade. Mm-hmm. The cover stock Marvel's using on their trade paperbacks, if this is the norm now, it's horrible. It's like it's like a self-cover for a trade paperback. I'm I'm exaggerating. But the paper stock is so thin that it curls. You're not the only person I've seen complain about that. Um, not with the, even that, that trade specifically, but Marvel's new trade stock. Um, I, a couple people, a couple patrons posted in our patron Slack uh, pictures of their Marvel trades being bent and stuff. Yeah, the, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's not much in terms of poundage. <laughs> it's not much thicker than the pages inside. And it's like, wow. It's, That's it's bad. It's bad. And then you get you know, kudos to DC. At least their trade, their cover stock is thicker than their right. in, than their inside. But whatever. Um, but yeah, right. no. If you have something to add, we. Add no, I was going to say since you said kudos to DC, I think we got to throw DC some shade though. Mm. Uh oh. Why so? Oh. Well, Dap's the one that posted this. I don't want to steal yeah. thunder, but no, um, our our former guest and one of Dap's all time favorite creators, Matt Wagner, um, posted today on his Facebook that um, he was contracted by DC to draw issue number 54 of Tom King's Batman run. And his son, who is his regular colorist, was brought on to be his colorist. And apparently DC's senior editorial staff, after the issue was done, 
came back and said his son's coloring was all wrong and are going to recolor it with one of their other colorists. Um, and uh, in spite of, according to Matt, that uh, Tom and Tom's editor, Jamie Rich, both went to bat for him and said they love the coloring. So bad look, man. Especially, apparently, the issue is a father-son issue. So to, to have a legendary father and his son come on the issue, which would be great karma, and then to literally fire the son for a job that the writer and editor thought did a great job is pretty crazy stuff. And Wagner's totally pissed and at least, I mean, you know, people calm down over time, but, but it sounds like he's all about done with DC at this point. Well, but see, that's, I don't mean to cut you off. No, uh, that's it. Not cut me off. The, uh, it's weird. I don't, I don't, it, yes. I, I, his, his last words basically in the post was aside from it. This is fucking bullshit. Was that had he known, like he, he thought it was going to be pretty much not a dream come true because obviously he's worked with his son before. Mm-hmm. But this was a story that, that Tom King had written about. It's basically a father and son story. Right. I think it's two issues. But uh, so, again, there, there's that emotional attachment and connection to it where, you know, father and son are going to work on this issue together. And and that's all great. Um, but basically, Matt was like it, this. I Had I known, then mm-hmm. I just the gig is just gotten to be more of a hassle than, than it ever was it started off as but the um this is not it's weird and i know that you know, the people who were in charge then aren't now some are no longer alive but years ago um one of my favorite dc miniseries is is a is the series that matt wrote and drew and he he told this story of the demon and it, it, it ended with, I don't want to spoil anything, but basically he had made a change to the character or characters that was supposed to, now this is the eighties. So it was supposed to pretty much stick. That was going to be the new status quo. And shortly after the fourth issue came out, um, whoever was the person, a person in charge just kind of nixed the whole thing. And, and it was, it, it was back to business as usual with Etrigan and, and Jason blood. And so this really isn't the first time DC's kind of, um, it's rubbed him the wrong way or, or, or done something that he may not have would have done had he known ahead of time. But, uh, you know, then he comes back and does Trinity, he does Batman Grendel. He does, you know, so he's, but yes, right now, this is probably, this I think stings a little more, than than DC doing something with a character they own and and saying you know that was a cool story bro but we're going to just go with something else because either someone else has an idea or but you, you just provided me with all the evidence I need to say this go ahead I'm not sticking up for DC sure okay? but mm-hmm. shame on you Matt you know for, for why me, if if you stick your hand out to pet. A, a rabid raccoon. Don't be surprised when you get bit. He has been no, burned but... by DC before. This is this shouldn't be a, a shock or a surprise or anything other than no. the the big corporation doing what they do. Huh? I don't. I don't. I don't. No. No. I don't. No, 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 no. How often does listen, a colorist you... do an entire job and then you get replaced? No, but right. I'm just. And I'm just saying. Like, like he's like, oh, this is so terrible. It's a fucking disgrace. Yeah, it is. But are you really that surprised? It's I it's big know, because you had you had Jamie you had Tom King you had yeah, everybody exactly. in there. So but that's rare not that no. I'm, the other powers that be saying, wait, what? Right, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about is 
leopards aren't going to change their spots. This is know, how but things when you work. When say that, you're implying that this kind of thing happens all the time. It doesn't happen all the time. But it is prone to happen, is what I'm saying. Hmm. Did, did he ever have a problem with the colorist on, on his uh, mage stuff? No, because it's his. He controls all of it. Right. Right. So, you know sure. what I mean? Like, you're in an arena where you have complete control over everything, and then you go into an arena where you don't. Don't be surprised when they change stuff up on you. And I'm not, I'm not mad at, I'm not saying anything about Wagner. He has a right to be mad, but he really, you know, it, it's not all that surprising. Mm-hmm. It's not. Especially after the demon thing, right? Yeah, but we're talking about something that's, that, that, what I'm saying is when you, when you don't have, have been alive. when you don't have con- complete control, don't expect complete control, okay. right? Oh, no, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. In the back of your mind, someone can always say, you know what? I'm going to get Kurt Swan to redraw that Jack Kirby suit. Sure. I mean, yes, right, there's right. always something you need to worry about. But this was this was something where, to me, yes, even though it's DC and it's their call and they can do whatever they want with with, with their book, it's still the way it's been presented, it came out of freaking left field. At no point, and it's not like any, as far as I can tell from Matt's post, it's not like anybody at DC said, hey, may, maybe he should, you know, ease up on the magenta or something. I don't know <laughs> right. if, if there were any notes given to Brennan, but right, it was right, just like, the Matt, <laughs> it's like yeah. you know, so it's, it's just one of those things where everybody thinks it's <laughs> all good. We're, we're golden. This, this issue's going to print, to press, and, and, and yeah, man, you're going to get it. And then, it's, I mean, you know, Elizabeth Brightweiser is coloring the Lee Week story right now. That looks different than, and it's fitting for the story, but that looks different than anybody who colored Finch or, or, or Chung's colors on, on Mikhail and uh, during the other stories. It's, it's just, but I don't know. And, and Brennan's style works with his father. I don't know who they're going to get now to color it, but I don't, you know, when you look at, when you look at Matt's work, it, it, even his line work, but but it, it evokes a, a certain something, and and lately we've been getting his son's colors over him for a while now, and I don't know. It, it, I'm not saying people are going to boycott the issue. I'm not saying people are going to say uh, that it's going to be unreadable. It's just it, and I don't know how many people look for a Matt Wagner book because Brennan Wagner is coloring it, and and I, I don't know what expectations anybody might have for a Batman book in a couple months. But I I definitely hear you, Vince. But I think in this case, it's not it, it it's not like there was any indication that Matt went in saying, you know, I can't wait to see how DC screws me over this. Right. No, no. But it, there are you know, and there also seems to be a component to this story that we're not privy to, because they changed the coloring on a Batman story. Does I mean, really? Brennan's Brennan's different. Yes, he has a, a palette that's not in line with the same old, you know, same old, same old palette that a lot of colorists use. But he's not really that outlandish. He's not using, oh. fifth, you know, fifth inks and, no, and stuff. Exactly. Right. It just seems like there's a there's there's a component to this that's not being included. There, no, it's, there, it's just very weird, though. Right? It is. It's strange. Let's 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 say like okay, like so. Um... So Scotty has his own colorist, right? Yeah, um, and he's awesome. Jean, Jean, right, Jean, is it Jean Francois, right? Below, right? Yeah, that's his name, right? Who who Brennan kind of resembles in some respects. He uses but, those right. colors. Right? No, I bring it up because I'm like, like, it'd be one thing, it'd be fucked up. But like, if if someone has say their colorist, like someone that they use all the time, um, right? And then 
they get bounced. All right, that's that's going to piss him off for sure. But this also happens to be his son, dude. Right, like, right. It's super. Like it's that's weird. A, There's something going on, right? Kind of, like you almost feel like the powers that be were like, oh, I'm a, fuck Mag White. Fuck, fuck right. Mag White. That's I what I'm saying. That's right, what I'm right, saying. Yeah, and and it's or yes, I which would irk me, but I don't know. I, this would have been. Brennan's first full-length work for the publisher. So, you know, there's it, there would have been a few firsts, but it, it's one of those things where I... Who knows if... I, maybe it's just weird, and I don't not, mean to... If, do- if someone's not pissing off... Maybe yeah. it wasn't Matt pissing someone off. Maybe right. maybe Brennan's... It's not, I don't know. I just... Yes, there are... There's definitely something here we're not privy to right and i don't mean to to single out colorists but does anyone really care about the color and i I don't like i'm saying i'm not trying to 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 put a colorist on on the low pedestal in the chain but did you i mean we do it right but i think that the average person is going to be like if frank miller penciled it in his current style to be like holy shit that drawing sucks right but i'm just saying right but a colorist, do you, you either notice the coloring if it's extremely bad or extremely good? Like an adequate colorist almost goes mm-hmm. unnoticed is what I'm trying to say. So does so does yeah. does anybody really – are they that concerned about the color? Art? Well, that's the thing. If, if, if I had never seen a comic that his son colored before, I might think, okay, well, maybe this is a case where dude's trying to – Mm-hmm. Play nepotism because uh, his, nep- his, right, right, right. his kid wants a job, and 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 no, DC's like no. this isn't up to our standards, man. But I've seen his son color lots of Matt's stuff, and it's perfectly professional. Oh, he's to the he's point. To your point, Vince, that I wouldn't, if it wasn't a Matt Wagner book, I I wouldn't guess it's him. I I would guess it's one of the many competent color artists that are out there. Sure. I wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, I, I, I sorry for the aside, but I Dap had posted. I I do think that's kind of fucked up. It's really fucked up too because. You're right, Vince. There has to be some more to it because I, Tom has got sway right now, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> you like, heard. <laughs> like if 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 Tom really said no, I want to keep the colors. Yeah, you would think it would take a lot for whoever it is at at senior editorial to say I don't care what you want. Right. 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 It's weird. Anyway. It's strange. Somebody flipped the bird to somebody they shouldn't have. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's pretty That's much. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he got caught dipping his whip and somebody's peace. I don't know. Kick your ass. All right, let's let's bring it up. Talk about some good good comics. What do we good, got? Good, 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 good. Um. Well, since since you just said something strange, I read the first three issues of the new Doctor Strange. Really? Oh, did you now? Oh, and it is. So good. I, it's a I don't, creative team I, on that. The creative team. I'm glad you asked. Um, <laughs> Not our first one. Written by Mark Wade. And the artist, and I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that includes colors, is Jesus Says. And that is, that, that, that's a name I'm used to seeing from time to time. Very Carlos Pacheco y. Right. Regular, uh, regular DC and, and Marvel. Uh, like one of those guys that has worked regularly from DC and Marvel for at least a decade, but, but yes. maybe a lot of people don't even realize it. Um, the art, it's, this is, I'm, I'm prefacing this by saying that it is not, um, I'm not saying that you're going to see this. You're going to look at this art, look at these pages and say, Oh yes, I see where you're coming from. But a lot of it 
for some reason, I cannot put my finger on it, is evocative to me of the Frank Bruner stuff from back in the day. Mm-hmm. It's, I don't, especially um, in the flashbacks in the first issue, where we have the old school strange with the with the cloak, with the with the tunic, with the leggings, and and uh, and there's a pretty slick scene where he's uh, he's he's, he's got to do his magics and and keep uh, New York and well the world and Greenwich Village safe. Um, then we fast forward seven years later, where he's going blind in one eye. He's gone blind in one eye. And on Thursday, two days later, he goes blind in the other eye. And it's um it's basically he's he's not he's not completely blind, he's not sightless. He just um he's he's missing that view of existence that beholds the magic behind all living things. And mm-hmm. I mean he's he's going through books and text has disappeared. Um wands are breaking, um uh, Things that um, things that he took for granted, um, they 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 just aren't anymore. Uh, so he um, he's it, it, even like the sanctum is just not really what it used to be. Uh, things are just completely out of whack. And it, 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 this this might feel like maybe going going back to the well a little too soon because you know donnie had the whole loki thing and 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 aaron had the whole magic versus science and we know that magic every time you use magic you're paying a price the bill comes due and Mm -hmm. it's it it just seems to be a a common thread now with this where but what i really appreciate about this story and where wade is taking it is that um Stephen is going to ask for help. He wants somebody to. He he needs he needs someone who understands suffering, and um, someone who has faced demons and and persevered. He wants to know what it, how to climb up after hitting bottom. So he goes mm-hmm. to Tony Stark, and Tony Stark says that. Um, it, it seems like, you know, you're burnt out and, and, uh, it, it's like Tony views it. Tony views Steven's problem as an engineering problem. And strange is basically like, you know, you see everything as an engineering problem. I wanted guidance. I'm not asking you to fix this. And Tony says, well, anything can be fixed as Iron Man. My armor has to be recharged. You said earth magic has faded before. What did you do then? And, this is different because this time it's like completely disappeared. It, it's, um, it needed an infusion back then. Now there's like nothing to, there's, there's, there's nothing for, for, for that Flint to catch on and, and, and spread. So, um, there's gotta be magic out there in the universe. So we just have to find it. And Steven offers, uh, Tony offers Steven a ship to the stars and a universal translator that gets um, implanted behind his ear, and they chart a course, and all is right in the world and in the galaxy, and Strange goes off into space. Everything is great. There was no room for chance. Um, it, it, it's an exacting science 
piloting a ship, according to the narration, until a meteor goes and knocks you off course. And as you crash land on a planet that has absolutely no word, no, no, no translation for the word magic. So they, these, these aliens, or, well, natives on this planet, take Steven and imprison him. And that's, and, and so now he's, um, uh, cause obviously he has no magic. He's, he's, he's stranded now on this planet in this cell. And that was the end of the first issue. Second issue introduces an amazing cool character who I'm not going to try to pronounce her name because there's only one vowel and it's at the very Can end. Can I do it? If you really want to, man, cause it, I, I, I think I, I got I'm it down. To, I think I, I got it down. It. I want to hear it because I, I agree with you. Pisker McKenna. Piskerf McKenna. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's pretty much that's pretty much where I was kind of I was leaning towards that. I mean, Stephen's going to just call her Canna for short. Or Pixar McKenna. Pixar McKenna. The 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 it, curf, It's like the Kerf McKenna. Kerf McKenna. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's cute. She is cute. She is cute. I'm waiting for Stephen to tap that. So you have um, you. <laughs> she's introduced because she's also. Uh, she, she's she's caught. She's um, she's a uh, an archaeologist or mm-hmm. arcanologist, um, and she's she she's snarky. She is very quick witted and 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 she is clever. Um, and she's cute. And she's cute. So I think her and Stephen will make a pretty good team because they she kind of she it, it but when when she's captured. She says, you know, listen, um, I, I was breaking at least six laws I was unaware of. It, and to be fair, I, I was aware of three that I were breaking. And so they imprison her as well. So they work together to break out of their cell. Um, and she she does have in her possession an artifact that Stephen can use to conjure a spell and, and free them and, and, and get them off this planet. Um and he has to make a pretty big sacrifice to pull off this spell. And when he does, Kana is very impressed because she even mentions that, you know, I I thought I I've been treating you like a sidekick and, and you can pull off shit like that. That's that that that's hella impressive. So um they get away from the planet. And the third issue was I think the third issue is my absolute favorite. Uh for a couple of reasons, one of which it's Doctor Strange versus Super Scroll. But another thing, and it's really not a cool moment, but it does it reminds you of the type of person, even though it was kind of it was meant to it was done with the with the greater good in mind, Stephen Strange is still very human and is not a Doctor Strange is still a very flawed individual. And he does something that you might find disappointing and you might think a little less of him. And um it was it was pulled off perfectly and, and I have no problems with it as far as what he had to do and why he did it. Um but it still stings a little bit because you really don't like seeing your heroes um behave this way and uh bats the ghost dog 
makes an appearance briefly. Uh, it looks like there's a, um, and I posted this for our patrons, uh, at the end of the second issue, there is, um, someone who is, uh, given an envelope from accounts receivable and, and the hand and the arm attached to that hand that that's handing it to this person, um, is very demon in limbo esque like, um, but the envelope is labeled in, in reference to Stephen strange and the person looks at the contents of the envelope and, and says, Oh, oh no, that this won't do, this won't do at all. So someone is still, um, there's still prices that need to be paid. And I'm guessing even when you go out to the far reaches of the universe to look for magic or, or to find out how you can, um, fix things, uh, the price might be heftier, but there's still going to be a price. So th- there are little things that are happening in the second and third issue on the last page of each issue uh, that uh, are probably going to lead to something bigger as this uh, as this story unfolds. But I um, I am really considering the batting average I'm having with Marvel right now with um, what should be their flagships. The uh, Doctor Strange is hitting a home run as far as I'm concerned. I, I am really, really enjoying this new series. Yeah, I got to agree. Uh, Jason likes to say that I'm not, you know, I'm down on the mainstream. Down on the mainstream, dude. Mo- I mo- didn't say that. You said that. No, too. you said that last you did, week. You did say it. You did say that. Bro, you said no, you had. You, you, you did. You did. Okay. You need to go back to the tape. <laughs> but anyway, I, Dr. Strange is one of the bright spots. It really and, is. And it's it's the it's the same recipe as what's going on in Black Panther now. It is. You 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 take a character out of the, out of its elements yeah, out of, and yeah, you throw them in a, in a different, you know, that's not rocket science. It's not a a, a novel thing, but when it's this beautiful, illu- this beautifully illustrated and well written, I'm I'm digging it. You know, you don't need any baggage. You just enjoy. Mm-hmm. It's fun. Yeah. You like it, Jason? Um, I haven't read it yet. So. Oh, wow, wow, wow. I read woof, a Marvel right? book before him. <laughs> well, that's, you know, tip for tat, though. I mean, he is current on Savage Dragon. He Although, I don't read... know about today's issue. but yeah. No, I didn't read today's issue. I didn't uh, either. But yeah, I... we are ahead of Vince on Savage Dragon. You so. are. You are. I got it, but I didn't read it. Uh, okay. So there you go. Yes. What you got, Jason? Oh, boy. Okay. So, <clears throat> um, fantastic fantastic book i even shouted out the creator on twitter before the show um it is from top shelf a new original graphic novel called come again and uh first of all you know it's a winner because it's got a fantastic spot varnish cover with uh the main character um and she's in black and white and then uh it's, it's a beautiful cover dress hardcover um Written and drawn by Nate Powell, who for the last seven years has been working exclusively on the volumes of March, uh, the graphic novels that he's done with Congressman Lewis, um, which uh, won the National Book Award, which is kind of like, you know, the biggest award that any type of book, comic or prose can get. Um, but before that, uh, Nate was like, like. Matt Kinn or, or Jeff Lemire, he was one of the top shelf's guys that did their own stuff, wrote, wrote and drew their own stuff. And this is his return to that. Um, 
I, I bought it purely for the for the sake of the fa- of, of it being his return to doing an OGN. I, I didn't have any sense as to what the book was even about when I opened up the cover uh, this week to read it. And I read it in one sitting, and it was truly phenomenal. Um, it is... I'm trying to see the page count because I don't have page numbers, but it's, it's about, I'd say, 200 pages, give or take. Um, the story is, it's set in the 1970s, uh, which was, of course, the free love era here in the, in the States. And it takes place in the Ozarks. Uh, there's a commune in the Ozarks that uh, was founded, or at least, well, I don't know if it was founded, but it was, it was uh, the, the main characters of the story joined the commune in 1971. And the story flip-flops between 1971 and 1979, where um, the commune is still going, but uh, the free love era was winding down at the time in the U.S., and so um, the community is is probably about a third of what it was. Um, But it's still happy and content, and they live uh, up, they say, up the hill uh, in this commune, and and it's a peaceful, friendly existence. Everybody gets along. They, uh, They subsist by creating different things and bringing them down the hill to uh, a more, a more traditional suburb or, you know, suburban sort of municipality that um, has a street fair or flea every week. And they go down and they sell their wares and their wares include everything from um, herbal remedies to wind catchers to uh, crafts. And, and of course things like weed as well. Um, But uh, but it's a it's a very peaceful, calm existence, and we're introduced to uh, a woman who has lived there since 1971, and her son, and they're uh, they're hippies, you know, like like her son at the start of the book, her son is shaving the side of her head because he she thinks he she has lice, but then she quickly realizes her son was was just saying that because he thought it'd be funny to shave her head. So for the rest of the book, she's walking around with a half-shaved head. Um, but it's, uh, you know, they just kind of do what they do. And it's clear that she's raising her son as a single mom. Her husband used to be in the commune, but he now lives back in the main town. But they get along. You know, they're, they're still friendly or what have you. And it's one of those places, because it's a commune, that everybody pitches in, works together. There's no secrets. Or at least there's not supposed to be secrets. And Nate tells us a story of this woman and her best friends, another couple and her ex-husband and what brought them to the commune. But there's a supernatural element in that the woman is having uh, relations, if you will, with another guy in the commune who happens to be the husband of their best friends. The four of them all started with the commune together eight years back. And she is, they're having an affair uh, of sorts and they consummate that affair in this uh, cave that is in the woods uh, that they dig up to get into and then dig back, you know um, what's the opposite of dig. They fill it in. They fill it in when they're done. So there's this wooden door that leads to this cave dwelling and they go in there and they do their business and then when they're done their business, they cover it back up with more dirt and leaves and what have you. So one day, the she's off to do her, her, her duties, her chores. And her son, who is, I'd say, is probably 9 or 10, 
he's got chores to do, including collecting, uh, going hunting for birds. And he's out with his best friend, Shane, who is the son of the other couple. And they're out doing their thing, having adventures, what have you, uh, hunting birds and, and exploring as kids would want to do. And she's supposed to be out doing her stuff, but she's doing the hookup. And when they get back, um, Shane is missing. And her son and Shane had gone exploring, and they had come across this cave. And the cave was cavernous and windy and dark, and somehow or another, uh, Shane gets lost. So she's consummated by guilt. She's consummated by this idea that uh, they're having this affair, and it's it's her best friends, and should she be doing it? But should she maybe not? But is there anything wrong with doing it? Because, again, this was the 70s. This was free love, so... Their perspectives were different. I mean, it did. It was a commune, so it's not, it's not, it's not the overt moral dilemma that it would be today if someone was just cheating on their spouse. Um, but she's wrestling with that, and then it becomes this find the child. But but the weird, this weird thing starts happening where at first they're all looking for the kid for Shane, and they can't find him. And they get to the part where the cave is. Now she knows about the cave, and her the guy that her Shane's father, who she's having the affair with, knows about the cave. But they're reluctant to acknowledge that they know about the cave because it would – why would they know about it other than the fact that they're going to hook up? But it comes to a point where the kid's missing long enough. She, she says, well, I, I think I know where he is. And they go to dig up the cave, and there's no, there's no cave. They dig and they dig and they dig, and there's no door. So she thinks she's losing her mind. And uh, days start going by. And each day she wakes up, and she's fired up to start looking for the kid and – and getting the search party together, and it's just that the rest of the town seems to not give a fuck. And this is a small little commune. They they just don't they just don't seem motivated by it. And even her son, her best friend, her son's Shane's best friend, who was the one that was with him when he got lost, he's he wants to know: Are they going to read this story? Are they going to play this game today? And she said, "No, we have to go look for Shane." And he's like, "Oh yeah, that's right." And then another day or two go by, and she and the kid's like, "Who's Shane?" And then even even Shane's parents are just acting totally normal, like. Are we having a picnic today? And she's going crazy because she's like, "We've looked for your son. He's been missing for days." And 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 they're like, "What? What do you mean?" And so she, it's 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 the strange, the strange juxtaposition. Is she is she going insane? Is there a Shane? Is this all in her head? What? Why is this happening? And eventually, there's a, a resolution, which is very supernatural. Um, I won't give it away, it's, but it's like a it's a it'd be, be right up there with a. A Twilight Zone. Uh, the ending makes sense in the context of the story. It's a aha type of thing, and it's wonderful. It's a great twist, but uh, it's just a such a unique, strange story that's both a love affair, a period piece, and a supernatural mystery with a twist ending. Um, it's it's just a totally unique experience that I haven't read in comics maybe ever. Um, and, and that's one of the magic things about this, this, uh, this medium, you know, is that, is that when you get kind of fed up or tired of the same old, same old, you, you come across something like this and it's just jaw droppingly unique. Uh, and Nate Powell's a fantastic cartoonist. I had the pleasure of seeing a lot of his pages, uh, when I took the boys to MoMA this year, not MoMA, uh, Mocha, sorry, Mocha, um, a lot of his pages from March were on display at the uh, museum while Mocha was going on. Um, he's, he's fantastic as a fantastic cartoonist. Um, 
but yeah, this this book was just an absolute home run, man. And and I, I again, it's it's so unique. And um, we are children of the '70s, but we were so young that we didn't really experience it. It still was a bit historical, but it was neat seeing that that kind of hippie angle because I, I knew I was conscious of it existing, but I didn't have any visceral awareness of it. Um, so I, I, I highly recommend to anyone that likes supernatural stuff or the intensity of a, of a slice of life romance, uh, ch- check out come again. It's, uh, again, it's by top shelf. It's, it's 24 99 cover price. And, um, it's, it's a, an absolute grand slam. I, I told Nate on Twitter that, uh, it's one of the best things I've read in years, and I mean that. So, give it a whirl. Uh, I don't know if it's up either of your alleys because this isn't typically the kind of thing that you guys Jones on. But, um, but if you're in the mood for this kind of thing, file us away as something to read. Duly noted. Yes. Mm-hmm. Nice. I got something that I, I'm afraid it may not be up um, your alleys, but I loved it. <laughs> okay, then. I, you know, I'm, just, I'm just kidding, because I'm sure you'll find something about this to Jones. About I finally got my box, and I finally read Transformers Unicron 1 and 2. Oh, nice. I have them. It's, uh, it's so exciting. It, it's, I didn't expect it to be this engrossing. Because it's a neat little twist on things, right? Written by John Barber, art by Alex Milne, color art by Sebastian Cheng. I talked about the Zero Issue, which, uh, oddly enough, focuses a lot on Rom. Um, Elonia, which is the home of the, they call them the Soul Star Order in IDW, uh, Rom universe. Um, this, uh, Elonia is destroyed by Unicron, chows down on Elonia, but not before Wheeljack, who gives his life uh, in the process, Prime and Rom and company, they teleport two thirds of the life forms off the planet. And then Unicron chews down on Eucharis, which is another Cybertronian colony. Here's the deal. You, uh, Unicron is devouring all of the 13 um, Cybertronian colonies. And Caminus is the next one. Caminus is unique because it's... Caminus? It's Windblade's planet. You know who Windblade is? Yes. Windblade is not only the leader of the Cybertronians now, she is the first fan-created Transformer. Right. So Unicron bears down on Caminus, and he has an army of shock troopers with him. And do you know who the the shock troopers are? The Maximals. Oh. Optimus Primal, Purple T-Rex Megatron, all Mm. of the... What? (laughs) No, 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 no. This is cool. This is something... They're not sharks, bro. Serious. (laughs) They're not sharks. That's the, like the one era of the Transformers I really didn't dig. Well, that's good because they're the bad guys in this. Oh, perfect. Okay. Yeah. All the dudes from the Beast Wars animated show um, and, and associated media are now aligned with Unicron. And, and there's some very strong crises of faith going on uh, because 
Pyromagna's in it, and she disputes the Legend of the Primes. The Legend of the Primes is at the core of this thing. There's the Mistress of the Flame believes, you know, that the original 13 Transformers were gods. And she believes that Optimus is the fabled 13th Prime, the Arisen. And then Optimus is going to be the one that will lead the assault during Unicron, Unicron's second coming. And Pyromagna thinks it's all, it's all lies. You believe all this prime shit? Are you kidding me? But Mistress of the Flame says, you know your place, woman. And uh, the mistress sacrifices her life so everybody else can get off of, of Caminus and she, she fights the, the Maximals. But while all this is going on, Rom and the Cybertronians are thrown down with the wave of Maximals. Optimus Prime and RC and Bumblebee, they sneak inside Unicron. They go right in nice. his butt, right in his butt. And Whoa. No, I'm just kidding. Um, oh. th- while they're in there, they get glimpses of all this, the worlds that Unicron has swallowed, right? And they see this giant Omega Sentinel shell. It's inert, but it's an Omega Sentinel. And RC's like, oh, boy. And, they're, and Bumblebee's like, what? And she's like, no, 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 nothing, nothing. D- d- never mind. Let's just, let's just do this. Um, I won't spoil it, but RC has a history with the Omega Supreme and the Omega Sentinels that mm, she's not too proud of, let's just say. Okay? Um, so now you got the Maximals. They're Unicron's antibodies. They're inside Unicron, and they make a beeline towards Optimus. Um, Soundwave is in this. He teleports Optimus and company out, and Caminus is destroyed. Shockwave wants Unicron to eat Cybertron because he Cybertron's now poisoned. And if Unicron eats Cybertron, Unicron eh, will get poisoned as well. And Shockwave can do what Shockwave does and manipulate things. But you have the master manipulator in Starscream. He's using the current events as uh, he's jockeying for political power. It's nice the way they did it. They bookended it. Optimus Mm -hmm. is in the beginning of the issue waving the the flag and at the end of the issue while Starscream is trying to rally the troops to his favor he has a f- similar flag and uh it's just neat the way they 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 you know juxtapose the two images next to each other second issue ramps up Starscream behind the scenes had bludgeon we all know who bludgeon is right scour the universe for all traces of lost decepticons and he found a bunch and he named them the Decepticon Vengeance Division. <laughs> <laughs> All right, right? back in. Yeah. Get this, Dap. This is where Dap Jones is out. So uh-huh. now you have Unicron floating in space, okay? All these lost Decepticons surround Unicron, and they pull a Tholian web on them. They link each of the Decepticon ships in this giant web and they're trying to destroy him once and for all by, you know, not enabling him to move. And Starscream's going to take all the credit. How nice. Uh, Bumblebee bonds with um, Omega Supreme was apparently inert. And um, 
Bumblebee goes up to him and he touches him and uh, Bumblebee's eyes go all black and he learns some crucial information about the origin of Unicron, but he can't he can't vocalize it yet because he doesn't have a, a basis for he, he has nothing to relate the information to, but he knows something. Um and Bludgeon knows something too because he seems to be working a bunch of different sides to this struggle because he's like, another stage of Transformers evolution is coming and spearheaded by Liege Maximo. Liege Maximo is one of the original 13 Transformers that was created by Primus to obliterate Unicron. Liege Maximo mm-hmm. is considered the ultimate evil. So you have the original Prime. Liege Maximo is the opposite. It's essentially the Transformers devil, right? (laughs) Okay. Maybe coincidentally, maybe not. I don't know how closely IDW um, makes these comics with Hasbro. I mean, I'm sure there's some back and forth, but there's currently a Liege Maximo figure in the Power of the Primes line. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's one of the small ones. I just got it. And it, not only is it um, Liege Maximo, it's a pretender shell. You get Skullgrin Pretender, and you stick the Liege Maximo in it, and it snaps. You, the Pretenders are like my all-time favorite Transformers. A lot of, lot of diehards hate them. I loved them. Hmm. So this series, it, it, I just got issue three today. I didn't even read it, but I wanted to bring one and two to the table. I don't know if you guys have ordered it or are you just going to wait till it's done and I read got it all. i got all the issues are you getting optimus prime and lost light too no okay see i got a little bit of a bone to pick with with idw because they said oh you got to get the the last bunch of issues of optimus prime and lost light well i said okay if idw tells me i got to oh, so order I these they said just the opposite that's why i didn't order them no they're i guess they're they're tie-ins but the optimus prime that i got i believe it's issue 21 is part six of a six-part story. But they told me to order it. So I'm a little salty. Just one, It was only one issue. I don't really care. But I guess the last five issues of Optimus and the last five issues of Lost Light tie into this whole end of the Transformers at IDW. I'll believe it when I see it. See it. Um, well, you know, who knows? Maybe this is the, the end. But they Bumblebee keeps saying in order for Unicron to be beaten the transformers have to die so we'll see but i'm excited this is awesome alex milney is incredible he is he is oh yeah to draw this many transformers of not only g1 you got g2 in there there's the beast um machine not the beast machines the 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 maximals it's just there's a lot of different robots in a lot of different styles and he does it amazingly i could tell who's who even from a distance that's that's no small feat um not a whole lot of humans in it yet there's um there's a backstory in the first issue with rom and there's a small story in the second with roadblock and scarlet so this is the hasbro universe it's not just transformers We've only seen Transformers and ROM in issue one and two, but I'm guessing Joe is going to have a part to play in it before it's all done. However that makes you feel, I don't know. But I love mm. it. I love the fact. I, I can't even, if I had a billboard and I made giant L-O-V-E on a billboard, it still would not 
encapsulate my love for Rom being in the Transformers universe. I think it's a brilliant idea. I don't think you do, but I do, and I love it. <laughs> no, dude, I think it's, again, we haven't read it. I haven't read it. I have the issues. I'm dying to read it. But... Well, no, Rom's been in the Transformer universe for a while. I, oh, yeah, not a, yeah. Yeah, I told I, you. I, I mean, I know why they're doing it, but. I love it. Yeah. But anyway. What do old... without the G.I. Joe Transformers hanging out 24-7, too? Well, the, the, the uh, Joe has a resident Transformer. I mean, I know. He, yeah, exactly. so. Yeah. All right, Transformers Unicron 1 and 2, read it, because it's amazing. Well, I'm glad you're enjoying that, because that would be a, almost as soul-crushing for you as FF. Yeah. I don't, no, I, I have much more lenience with stuff like Transformers. Um, yeah, the, the FF is truly soul-crushing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's going to take so much for this book to rebound now. Because it's going to get judged, it's going to get yeah. discarded, people are not going to pay attention until they get another name to put on the book that's going to try and get some kind of enthusiasm generated. It's, it's, it's bad. It's, a, it's, a, it's not just a stumble. It, they fell flat on their face with this one. Now, we will... That's... I mean, obviously, Jason didn't feel the same way you or I did in, in judging by... I mean, I know that there are a few people in our circle who feel similar to the way Vince and I do, but according to our Facebook group, um, there are a few people who did dig the first issue of fantastic four. So, um, I'm agreeing with everything you're saying, Vince. And, and it was, I think it was a great launch out of the gate, not to rehash something we talked about an hour ago, but it's, it's, we may have some baggage we're coming with Fantastic oh, Four. So we do. Yeah. yeah. So it's yeah. just but I was trying But to... I mean I'm I'm a very similar way with, with, with Amazing right now. So right. it's it's just I, I I look at Amazing Spider and I guess I, I, I guess Jerry Conway is Nick Spencer's favorite writer because anything Conway's done anything ah. that's happened to Peter Parker and Spider Man post Conway has pretty much been erased. So I just I'm like, okay, we're gonna go back to basics and that's if you're enjoying it then more power to you. If anybody has read Fantastic Four today and is digging it, I am happy you found something in it to enjoy. Nice. Yeah, I'm not saying if you enjoyed trans or er, uh, Fantastic Four number one, you're dumb. No, <laughs> you're a big duty. And, and, and I, I do realize that I drag a massive, gigantic, mountain-sized baggage when it comes to Fantastic Four. It, that's mm-hmm. just the way it is. Um, That's just the way it is. Could that have colored my my <laughs> opinion of this issue? I'm guessing, yeah. Uh, but mm-hmm. n- it's I don't I, whatever, whatever. Let's move on. Let's talk about yes. something pleasant. Man, I love it. We're hitting like just about every publisher tonight. I got some you probably never books, even heard so. of. Oh snap! Yep. Yeah, I saw we all we both read it. Dap. I don't have a lot to say about uh, Batman Fifty Two other than that it was good. Yes, it was it's just continuation of the trial arc. Yes. Um, a, a very intense character-driven issue, very well executed, but yeah, but not yeah, just not not something I think worth deep diving on beyond that. No, yeah, not until I mean it's it's obvious that there are um, there's it, it's kind of like two stories going on. There's there's the present day and. and deliberating amongst the jury of, of uh, yeah. whether or not freeze did this and um, were 
seeing the moments that kind of led up to Freeze being um, incarcerated and, and mm-hmm. uh, conversations that Batman and Alfred have had or are having. So it's obviously post um, not wedding and, and it's um, and whether we're seeing Bruce feel the effects from that um, is one thing I think I, I thought the twist it's what I like about Tom's approach on Batman and, and there are, it's the way I feel about another writer on another DC character right now, but there we've, we've seen, we've read a lot of Batman stories over the years and whether it's Tom King, whether it's Frank Miller, whether it's Max Allen Collins or Jim Starlin or Alan Grant or God knows how many people (laughs) there, they've always kind of depending on the era of when you're reading Batman, whether it's, it's the nineties and everything is big and bold and in your face, or whether it's the eighties and things are kind of, um, a little bit we're 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 still kind of grounded in you know keeping our feet to the ground but but some technology advancements have been made so we're kind of toying with the idea of computers and the bat cable little things like that and and it's you've always kind of got batman's voice you always knew you were reading a batman comic but tom is kind of like i don't i wouldn't expect Brian Azzarello or Jeff Loeb to kind of tell this particular story with, with the whole courtroom drama, because there's a, there's a part in this, in issue 52 that just kind of stopped me in my tracks because it, it, it was very simple. It, if you're ever on a jury, there's that whole you know, reasonable doubt thing and, and you have to look at the facts and, and ask questions. And it's, there's something that happens between the whole reason why, Freeze is in custody. Freeze is on trial is because three women were found dead. And, and of course, Victor is still trying to find a cure for his wife. And the, the, the coroner is, you know, does the autopsies and, and, and has his findings and presents them to Gordon and the police department. And then after that's done, Batman shows up. So of course it's Batman. And Batman has, you know, free reign to do whatever he needs to do to 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 get to the bottom of things. And Gordon's going to really not going to ask too many questions. So if this is, if these are Batman's findings, then as talented and 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 as trustworthy as our coroner is, this is still Batman. And and we've seen Batman broken. We've seen Batman made. Uh, Batman isn't infallible, but there's there's something that happens. Because Bruce Wayne is on the jury, where he he says something, and it's not something. It's it's obvious. It's it's right there, but it's something that kind of just turns the whole thing around. And and the way it was presented is just a way that, as as I'm thinking about past Batman stories and writers, I don't think I've ever seen it really approached this way. I don't. I, the way Tom kind of. I don't want to say break down the character because it sounds so basic, but the way the way Tom is really just approaching the Batman and Bruce Wayne and this world is just it's it's really unlike pretty much any writer before him has, who, that I've read that, that that's done Batman. I just I it's weird. It, it 
for for a character who is so goddamn old, there, there's a lot that Tom is doing that I find pretty much um, invigorating and almost new. So I, mm-hmm. and, and even even a a story where if you just pitched it on paper, where it's like it's it's twelve angry men in Gotham, and it's just like, well, that's how exciting can that be? And, and you know, as as talented as Lee Weeks is, he's making just these. I mean, people wanted to bitch about Bendis and the Avengers and Talking Heads, but I mean that that's what we're kind of getting here, and and it's I it's almost riveting. I I am in love with the artwork in this issue. It's it's just it's a really cool little little story that kind of um, gives you instead after the wedding instead of following it up with some some huge event or or Batman you know going to town on on old on on various thugs and street toughs it's it's just it's it's a courtroom drama and it it never expected it and i never really expected to kind of enjoy it as much as i am and i know we said we're not going to do a deep dive on it and i just talked <laughs> about it for the past few minutes so who's got something else well another number one that um that hit uh today uh was black badge number one by boom and it is the second series of the Art, uh, of the uh, team of, of Matt Kent, who is the writer, and Tyler Jenkins, who is the uh, illustrator. They were uh, together on Grass Kings yes. the last few years, and this is their follow-up to that. Uh, very simple premise. A bunch of Boy Scouts are uh, sent... Well, they're on a quote-unquote camping trip, but they... Uh, air quotes, accidentally wander across the border mm. from one country to another and stumble upon things that they're not supposed to see. But it turns out that it is all by design because this black badge group are uh, essentially covert agents. <laughs> they have been trained to uh, leverage the fact that they're kids and they're Boy Scouts to go into places that uh, otherwise would be impossible to get into and pull off crazy shit like assassinations and uh, other kinds of, uh, of uh, paramilitary operations. So we meet the team, we see the first, we, we, we see the setup, we see the first mission and uh, off we go. It's uh, it's dope. It's dope. It's, it's crazy. Uh, as a former boy scout, I, I got to say, we never did anything like this, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, it's just off the wall. Um, is it set in the same universe as Grass Kings, or is it completely oh, different? I, I and it's just so. a, okay. I mean, if it is, they, I'm not even sure why or how they would make it like that. I mean, okay. Um, I mean, it's 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 set in a modern time as is Grass Kings, but it's no. I mean, this is a high espionage and, and kind of. I mean, Grass Kings for all of its uh, quirkiness was was somewhat realistic. Um, ironically, much like uh, I guess the book I talked about earlier, Come Again, it's set in a commune. Um, this is a little bit more out there, right? I mean, it, it's pretty crazy to have a Boy Scout troop that's uh, a bunch of uh, super soldiers, which is what this comes down to. But, um, but yeah, man, it's it's they're a good team. Jenkins's art is definitely unique, um, much like Kent or, or Lemire. He's he's got a some would say a simplistic style. He's a well he's a painter. He his stuff is watercolors, with with relatively few lines on each panel. I think he crushes it with that style. 
Um, your mileage may vary. Uh, he's he's not the kind of guy that's gonna, cr- you know, you're not gonna be your jaw's not gonna be on the floor like you would with a Bacello or a Quapel or something where you're wondering how the hell he rendered that. But but as a storyteller, I think he's quite strong, and I think it's almost a given that he's a strong storyteller because Matt Kent, being such a great storyteller himself, you know he he wouldn't go back to the well of of partnering up with someone again if he didn't feel like the guy had chops. Right, so too true. But yeah, black badge number one by Boom. Nice. Mm-hmm. You want to hear the best thing I read all week? Ooh, I thought we already heard about it. Do I? Mm, I never said that was the best thing I read all week. <laughs> this is one of those things where here's me paging through the previews catalog, mm-hmm. and I see a cover, and I'm like, huh. And I read the synopsis, and I'm like, huh, I guess, I guess I'll take a shot on this. It's a single issue. It's only three ninety nine. <laughs> I, I, I haven't heard of the, uh, the, the publisher, but I'll give them a shot. The, the publisher is Waxwork Comics. And the title of the comic is House of Waxwork. Okay. Hmm. This bears some investigation. So, um, you you both know that I'm a uh, a fiend for vinyl, and as of it's a recent trend that you had this a bunch of companies pop up that are re-releasing soundtracks to old films on vinyl, and not just any old film, cult favorites. Right, they're 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 taking the soundtracks, remastering them, finding um, bits that were never included on the original release, and they're releasing them in in single and double album sets with with new artwork by great illustrators and or up and coming uh, guys. You have your Mondo. Well, it turns out Waxwork they do just that. They they release albums, um, soundtracks. And this House of Waxwork, I didn't know because there's apparently two flavors to this comic. The one that you can order on um, for, through Diamond Previews does have, mm-hmm. a, does have a soundtrack. But if you're anyone in the universe other than Jason, you know that Bandcamp is where you can go to, to listen to music for free. You can, and you, can, <laughs> you can pay your own you name your price and you can get yourself some some downloadable content you pay a little more you can get yourself some some vinyl delivered to, or, or a cd delivered to your home um you can listen to the soundtrack for this house of waxwork number one on Bandcamp for free or you can go to waxworkcomics.com and it'll redirect you to waxworkrecords.com each they have a a a bundle you can order the comic and you get a seven inch featuring the 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 soundtrack on colored vinyl for i think it's like 15 bucks now that's a little extreme for me because i'm only really interested in the art and story here because this comic was great it was truly great the uh, the premise is and you can feel my heart beating you have a, a horror host and he's called the director. He's a director. Yeah, he, he's a director of fi- a film director, but the the e is added to the 
back of the director's chair. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the cover that I'm going to put up on our gallery for this episode, 11oClockComics.com, the director has a shock of crazy white hair. He's a zombie, but he's got a shock of crazy white hair in the top of his head. Does that sound familiar to any of you film aficionados? It's David Lynch. Lynchy, Lynchy now. The, the director is a zombie David Lynch. And um, he leads you into these. The, this is an anthology comic. He leads you into the two stories, the first of which is called Occult Slumber, Slumber Party. And they have an artist, Mark Schoenbach, who has created for each one of these stories a faux movie poster in typical 80s style. It's amazing. It looks like a movie I missed from the 80s. It's that good. You get, yeah, yeah, a cult slumber party. There's a character with a game board. And, of course, there's a pentagram in the middle of the game board. He's got a hood on. And it says occult slumber parties in the somewhat similar Stranger Things typography. It's not quite. Stranger Things, but it's in that 80s vein. And then you get faux credits on the bottom for the story. And they're not faux because they, they you know, these are real people. Um, Occult Slumber Party was written by Gabe Soria. Pencils and inks by Christian Dabari. Colors by Mike. Oh, wow. Chris Dabari, that's an old school CGS name. It looks great. Um, colors by Mike Spicer. And letters by Rachel Deering. Who also, oh, nice. Yes, who also wrote the uh, director's um, banter in the beginning of the, the issue. So oh, here we go. Occult Slumber Party. It's, it's a classic 80s setup. You got a family going camping. They're, they're trying to get away from it all. The family's not exactly um, in a very loving environment. Mom and dad are fighting. You know, the brother's a little smart-ass fucking... Um, wisecracking, pessimistic, you know, he's he's 14, it looks like to me. The, and there's the sister who's a little older. She's optimistic. Um, so they stop at an antique store on, on the road, right? You see the, the family wagon has the, the, the um, luggage strapped to the top. They stop at this little antique store and they're like, okay, we got to get something to, you know, for a family game night. What, what do we get? And the, the proprietor says, here, you don't try this. It's a perfect game. Um, it's called Slumber Party. And Dad's like, 10 bucks. Ugh. So they take the game and they go back to this cabin and they set up. And the sister populates the, the, the game board with monsters. And the, wouldn't you know it, the, the game comes with a vinyl soundtrack. Come to the occult slumber party. You'll never want to leave. And the goal is to make it through this this house top to bottom and survive that's the occult slumber party so they're playing the game and the sister rolls and she rolls 666 and the game board freaks the f out things get ectoplasmic the souls of the family get sucked out of their body and transported into the game board so now they're in the game and they have to get they have to survive through the house and the weapons that the sister populated the game board with, he had little weapons cards. They find themselves with the weapons in the game, in this, this environment. There are monsters that come after them. 
um, one by one, the family members succumb to the monsters. Mom turns into a vampire zombie type thing. Dad gets killed. Um, little little brother, something happens to him, and it's up to sister to save the day. It's so 80s, it's disgusting. I loved it. I, I wish you guys had an issue of this so you, so you could see it. It is so in my wheelhouse. Then the, the second story, it's called Lighthouse Keeper. And it was uh, written by Kevin Bergeron. Pencils and inks by Jonas Scharf. Colors by Jordan Boyd. Ooh. And letters again by Rachel Deering. You get a guy recently released from prison. His name's Stanley Lloyd. And he gets out. And what does a, a, a supposedly reformed convict do on their first day out? Well, they look for a job. So he gets a job as a lighthouse keeper. And there's a legend that, you know, comes with the lighthouse. The previous ten, uh, lighthouse keeper killed himself because, you know, you're alone for three months and you hear things. And, you know, it's not a... Not the best environment, but, you you know, you have a very important job. You have to make sure that ships don't get dashed on the rocks. But the the lighthouse gets uh, invaded by supposedly Stanley's victims. They are the, the uh, reanimated corpses of the women he has killed. And um, is it real? Is it not? Well, you'll see if you read the story. But both of these... Um, tales Dark Horse tried to bring back Creepy and Eerie and it was mostly missed but sometimes hit mm-hmm. in one issue this House of Waxwork came closer to the the old Creepy formula than, oh, nice. than Dark Horse ever did Yeah, um, the artwork is phenomenal this is not a fa- flash in the pan this mm-hmm. is not a record company saying let's make some money and you know, throw some hastily put together comics and, you know, we'll sell some music with it too. The, right. This is a bona fide visual treat. Or um, day. Yeah. Um, stiff covers, great paper, and it's only three ninety nine. Luckily, I erred on the side of caution and I pre-ordered issues one to three. So now I don't have to go looking for things um, on the secondary market. If you have a, a well-stocked comic shop... Check out this House of Waxwork. Um, and if you're a gambler, you know, not a gambler, if you're adventurous, go right mm-hmm. right to the source, Waxwork Records, and see if maybe you want to get the vinyl too because it looks good. It's just I'm not a fan of 7 inches. I like 12. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, you do. I, I like 12 inches or nothing. But this complete surprise made my entire week. I'm in for if they publish a thousand issues of this, I'm gonna get them all. I love it. House mm-hmm. of Waxwork number one. No, nice. it's not. It's not a big ten inch record. No, of the band that played the blues. No, dirty motherfuckers. That's when Aerosmith. You know they they had talent. <laughs> I love it. Not... <laughs> oh, I love you, dude. I go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> he looks out that gem. They uh, they play the XM or the series at work, and they pay the they do the blend every day. Uh-huh. The fucking um, asteroid song, 
Um, oh, from Armageddon. Yeah. What I don't is it? Lose the thing? I don't oh like, my um, god! Yeah. I I want mm-hmm. I want to get something sharp and rusty and plunge it into both of my mm-hmm. ears. Stephen. Hey Vince, I uh, I did read Infinity Wars. I know. I saw that. Week. And a couple things. Um, totally grooving on the overall concept, as you were. Um, totally not with you on. The Diodato art. I think yeah. it's freaking rough. You're both nuts. Like, what do you think I, about the panel breakups? It's. I think the whole thing is rough visually. Um, mm. And I was really surprised how sloppily edited it was. What do you mean? Bro, they give you a panel in the second page explaining who has each gem. And then in the story, they give Black Widow a different gem. What? I didn't notice that. Yes. In the where they describe who has each gem, which is like page two, almost like the yeah. uh Right. Well, four pages later we find out she has a different gem. Are you sure? Yes. Huh. It's horrible editing. For for if, like their ten pole event book. I was like, What? I'm like, come on. How hard is that? You got six of them to keep track of. Huh. But overall fun. <laughs> that was the best, dude. They fucked up big time, but it was fun. Right over. No, <laughs> it was okay. No, it's. I mean, I stand by what you said last week. It's, right, it's it was fun. It's, yeah. it's 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 silly. It's over the top. It's. I, I got no issues with it, right. except for the fact that the, the editor should be fired and uh, Diodato's stiff. Honest, he's not. Honestly, though, um, do you really care how this comes out? You just want it. We're just having fun with it, right? It's just a, a, a yeah, no, exactly. I don't, yeah, exactly. A dalliance. Uh, I, you, you know, nothing significant is going to come out of this. Maybe we'll get a sleepwalker book, or you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, it was fun. It was fun. Good. I'm glad you loved it. Yeah. Have to do the obligatory shout out to Domino. Domino number five came out. Gail Simone, David Baldion. Uh, well, if we're doing obligatories. It, it, it's, it continues to be fantastic. Um, we get a little more backstory as to the the two narrative wells that are plaguing Nina. Um, you would appreciate it, Vince, because Nina and Shang-Chi have to fight a collection of his, uh, his rogues gallery. Yeah, it's, at the end of the fourth issue made me happy. Yes, they have to find all those characters now. I love it. Including Razor Fist. Yes. Um, Nina's horny AF. Well, she should it's got be. me wondering if Gail Simone's not getting a good stooping from her husband, because like, there's a lot of undertones about needing to get laid in this book. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, no, it's a lot of fun. It's uh, we're, I think we're, I assume we're one issue, this was issue five, I assume we're one issue away from the, the uh, conclusion of the first arc, and it's, it's, it's been a treat for me. As someone who's Loved the character and had a few modest single or domino centric comics over the years, most of which were pretty terrible. It's fun. And uh, I know we joked when it was solicited that it wouldn't last long. And who knows? And maybe we only get 12 issues from it. But um, but even this first arc was was worth it for me because it's 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 such a low bar. It's already the best domino arc story arc ever. <laughs> I mean, because this just hasn't been that much, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just keeping it real. I no, mean, I'm glad you're happy. I'm glad you're yeah. happy. It's good to to see, you know, 
C-list characters come up. Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm not. I, I don't know if that was a, a, a sly attempt at a dig, but uh, she's absolutely yeah. a C-list character. I'm not going to front yeah. on that. No. I like Domino just because of her connection to cable. Exactly. Yeah. If you got the cable stank on you, you're okay in my book. Mm. Oh, she's got that cable stank. I know. She got a lot of stank. She, she got Wolverine stank, stank, stank on too. Stank yeah. 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 Plus, we got a Serpent Society reference in this in this issue. Well, you know who's going to be in the second arc then? Who dis? Super Serpent Society. If they if she shows the or she says there's a gun coming up in the first arc, then no, it wasn't like that. Like you know, Diamond Lil's one of her crew, and uh, the Topaz and and uh, and the male ne'er do well were up against um, Crazy Inez and and uh, and uh, Diamondback, and she was like, oh well, um, you know, she's not a mutant. Everyone else in the story so far is a mutant, and uh, she's like, well. I may not be a mutant, but I was a member of the Serpent Society, and she pulls some shenanigans and ah. gets out of there. Do they the acknowledge Diamondback spot. and Caps? Um, it's funny you say that. They they make reference of that. Um, Topaz says, oh, I know all about you both, and uh, you you dated Captain America, for God's sakes. And then Crazy Inez looks at her and goes, you dated Captain America? And she's like, stay on, stay on point. Stay focused. <laughs> it's a story for another time. But it was yeah. was it like... Side eye, you dated Captain America, or was yeah. it was it like all googly? Oh, like, like you did? Oh, like she was shocked because because obviously, you know, she. It was like, oh, I, I I'm one of your besties. I thought I would have known that. Like that oh. would come up because I like, I would think that they would be like, ooh, Captain America, because the women love him. It's true. Well, you figure the super soldier formula would take care of you downstairs too. I'm serious, oh, right? That's what I'm I mean, he was scrawny before, but he's probably packing heat now. Seriously, baby your North style, baby arm. Baby <laughs> Make a fist. He's like, I bet you thought Bucky was dead. He's just in my pants. <laughs> yeah, <it was> <laughs> oh, we don't have to work, Blue. We're too talented. Uh, what do you say? You want to bring it home? Wow, it's not even 11. You in a rush? No. I just thought for your vacation? I just thought we'd do an... Ex- Andale. Uh I just thought we'd do an extended in your travels, you know? Yeah, we should really, I mean, you know. Really I got something. What? No, I got, this isn't in your travels, but this is a, another book that I read that I really loved. And mm-hmm. it's this is from another company you probably haven't heard much from. You heard? The uh, publisher is Amigo. Anybody? Like friend in Spanish? Exactly. Amigo. Oh. Because the writer, you've heard me talk, uh, speak of this character before. Uh, mm-hmm. She was um, created by the writer, and I'll get to him, and uh, Juan Jose Rip at Image Comics. She has teamed up with the Savage Dragon in the past. Remember okay. Nancy and Hell? Yep. You don't. But uh, No, th- I mean, I, I, I haven't read Nancy and Hell, but I, I'm aware of the Okay concept this is uh again the creators el torres and nancy is his uh character uh, in uh, conjunction with uh juan jose rip so i guess he's doing his own thing at this amigo company which is probably hill his uh written by el torres art by abel cicero colors by alexandra thon and the covers by ariel olivetti and it's a good cover yeah it's not bad. It's good. 
Um, this is Nancy in Hell, The Long Road. And uh, <clears throat> pretty much that describes the events of the story. Nancy is in hell, and uh, aside from a plains that extends as far as the eye can see in both directions, in all directions, there is a single road straight down the ramparts of hell. And Nancy is walking down this road. And this first issue is just the characters uh, into uh, with which Nancy comes into contact. And first of all, she's she um, comes upon this fat, forty-ish character who, uh, and they, you've seen Nancy. Nancy has sh- extremely short shorts um, and a tank top with a bra on, and she just totes a, a, a chainsaw around. She's a, a gorgeous, buxom blonde. And the characters uh, she comes into contact with either try to get with her and then kill her, or just flat out kill her. And this this first I go for uh, I go for the former. But yeah, I mean, she's a sweetheart. Try to get with her and then kill her. Yeah, I wouldn't kill her though. She's 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 handy with a chainsaw. But um, marry and kill. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The the company wants Nancy back, and they're sending out operatives in order to to get her but uh behind the scenes they have lucifer chained up and he's in a state of of delirium um there's a panel where lucifer's in a straitjacket chained up and uh lucifer's a black man and he has there are two fetuses in iv bottles and they're feeding him some kind of infernal infernal blood um Next, Nancy comes into contact with a man that looks suspiciously like um, one of our world leaders. Mm-hmm. He's he's fat. He has um, <laughs> uh, resemble a giant Cheeto. Yeah, but he's not orange though. But he has the the oh, shock okay. of 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 extremely bad hair, and mm-hmm. he, you know he calls her a, a skank. And um, he's just hungry. He wants to eat, and he's trying to eat a, a lizard. And Nancy caught the lizard before he got to it, and and um, he's like, "I thought the the service would take care of this." And what is this place, Mexico? Uh, they must have kidnapped me. Terrorists are everywhere. I'm gonna build a wall. Blah blah blah. Um, and she she beats the crap out of him, but she doesn't kill him. Uh, that is left to other people, but. It's. I mean, if you enjoyed Nancy in Hell at Image, this is more of the same. Uh, good girls in Hell with chainsaws, just tearing people to shreds. There's a, a, a an infernal biker gang. Uh, I, I was very surprised because, again, I took a chance on this, seeing nothing of the book other than the Ariel Olivetti cover. Mm-hmm. But this Abel Cicero, very, very accomplished penciler. Yep, it's again. It's not weak sauce. Nancy's gorgeous. The uh, the action is lively. Backgrounds are are popping. It's it's a really good book. It's violent though, you know. Mm-hmm. Body parts flying all over the place. So um, splatter punk horror. I'm down with it. Pussy, pussy, pussy. So it, it, oh, I, we weren't supposed to work blue. It's not, I'm just doing it from dusk till dawn, dude. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Yes, Nancy in Hell number one from uh, Amigo. Check it out. Check it out. Check it out. Um, 
sense, Jason opened the door to the obligatory <laughs> reference mention. Um, another new issue came out today, Superman number two. Mm, yeah. Um, as now Vince goes to walk the dogs. The um, <laughs> I like this was a, what I liked it quite a bit. I it this is going to sound weird. It it was a quick read. But it was a beautiful read. And the reason it was quick is because um, Ivar Weiss does uh, quite a few double-page spreads. But they all serve a purpose. They don't uh, – it's not just, hey, here's Superman flying through the sky. It's it's um, it's written by Brian Michael Bendis. Uh, your art, as I mentioned, pencils by uh, Ivan and um, – Joe Prado and Claire Albert are your inkers. And um, as we witnessed at the end of the first issue, Earth Earth is in the Phantom Zone. Uh, but before we pick up where we left off, we get a flashback at the beginning of the issue where an uncharted planet is about to be um, claimed by... Tamaran. So you basically have Starfire's um, ancestors uh, claiming this planet. Uh, unfortunately, they are about to battle, and one of the members of this army is Rogozar. And uh, King Mander is calling a retreat. Because now that they've brought him out, um, there really is no way they're going to win. So the two double-page spreads we get at the start of this issue are these beautiful winged, gnarly, well, this one beautiful winged, gnarly-looking beast uh, coming towards the uh, Tamarins. And then you have uh, a huge almost like Lord of the Rings style fight battle happening on the second double page spread. Uh, then you do get one with Superman flying, but he's also taking care of business and, and making sure a space shuttle or satellites are, um, don't, uh, affect the planet. What I like about, um, Bendis is taking this, Call back to what I was talking about earlier, as far as what um, what you expect with with certain characters with writers. When when I think about Burns Superman, it was a lot of um, you saw the character in action. You know, Burn was whether it's his time at Marvel or working with Claremont. Burn would show you what the characters are also saying, but it it moved. The story along. Burn is very good at he's a very good writer slash artist because he knows how to tell a story, how to how to draw that story and and use he's able to do that. He's not depending on a writer to 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 fill in anything that the artist might not draw and and he's not drawing something a writer might not be able to explain. So he, he knows where his he wouldn't call them weaknesses, but he knows where his limitations are. So he knows how to have Superman do something while the supporting cast might be talking about something. It, 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 it's a 
it's a different approach than than what Bendis is doing with Superman. Obviously, he's not drawing this story, but you're getting more of uh, Superman's way of thinking. How he he's 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 humanizing Cal as as we've been. We kind of saw it with Tomasi and 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 I think the way Byrne did it by by keeping Ma and Pa Kent alive and and kind of grounding him, um, you know, because Superman is is recalling conversations he's had with other members of the Justice League. In this case, it was Oliver Queen, and and um, basically Oliver figures that Superman's life just has to be a living hell because he can't, you know, he 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 hears everything, and. And he sees everything. So you hear all the the anguish and the pain in the world. You see all the all all the the inhumanities and 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 the struggles people have to go through. But but Superman, just like the rest of us, we he turns it off. He can turn it off. He doesn't, but he can. Just like we can all turn a blind eye to something, we can all try to ignore something that that we know. You know, we know there 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 are atrocities going on halfway across the world how we deal with it, how we choose to deal with it. That Superman is the same way. And he, um, because he doesn't turn it off. He also sees the kindness in strangers. He also sees the first responders reacting. He, he sees, yeah. he sees what, what good there is in the world. And, and that's, that's why I liked it, dude. Right. It, it's just, yeah, it's, cause, I mean, cause, you, go no, ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. It, I mean, you you kind of it's this is how you expect Superman to be, but but Bendis is actually putting words to the page. It, he, he's reiterating it. You know this is Superman, but he's basically saying, you know, you may. I, I just it, he's just kind of reaffirming our beliefs. Yeah, I mean, but I agree. The thing with about it is, and and is that Bendis put it in words, and I I do struggle sometimes with, with Superman being so powerful and get caught up in the. Well, how does he ever stop? He's got a million things he's got. He could be doing every every moment's a failure, right? If he's saving someone, there's another person dying, and and I love that they just address it, and he just and he dresses it in such a Superman way, which is he looks at the bright side by saying, "I could turn it off. I could tune everybody out. I have that ability. I just don't want to because right because for every thing that goes wrong, there's a, a ton of things that go right, and 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 it reaffirms my faith in humanity in this world. And I, and I thought, okay, that's cool. That that I can get behind that makes sense with why Superman would be always optimistic and, and why he would be able to handle the fact that there's always stuff going wrong that he might not be able to fix that. So, so yeah, that, that, that was definitely on point for me. I, oh, warms my yeah. heart. The, and the uh, art was great. The art is so it's great. really great. Yeah. It's, um, I think I, th- it's weird. I like, I think Bendis's Barry, I think his flash is a little young or, or, or he's not immature, but he, I, he's definitely drawn to look younger than say Porter is drawing him in, in, in the flash or the way we've seen him in, um, by either Jimenez or Chung in, in justice league. But I, I really like Bendis's Barry. I like the, I, he has, the, the, there's a, um, once, once Cal realize once Superman realizes that you know Earth is in Phantom Zone, um, he patches in the rest of the Justice League through Martian Manhunter and um, you know Batman. Everybody's like you know 
Aquaman's screaming, you know, the oceans are bubbling. Uh, Wonder Woman is, is, is saying, you know, I have my hands full here in London. Batman comes in. This is Batman. Tell me you know exactly what this is. Plastic Man says, how long can the Earth continue to be the Earth if it's no longer rotating around the sun? Flash says, we know it's you, Batman. You have a very distinctive voice. And it's like, everybody else is kind of worried and concerned, but Flash is going to take a second to say, you know, listen. We, and the, it was very, he, he had a similar moment with Superman at the Fortress of Solitude and because um, Batman was kind of giving a little bit too much information during the mind link and um, there was a little bit on the TMI side for Barry who, who just like you know thinks unsubscribe and, and I, I chuckled I, I smiled at that but what was really interesting is when Rogozar realizes he's in the Phantom Zone and I'm really worried about the third issue because just by the where it's to be continued and what we can expect next next issue um it does not not bode well for our hero but there is when when rogozar realizes where he is and and realizes he's not dead because supergirl's the one who shunted him to the phantom zone um the phantom zone is where krypton threw away their terrible secrets and i'm not sure where this secret appeared mm-hmm. before this mm-hmm. issue in comic book form. Love it. But Rogozar is face to face with Lex Luthor's nuclear man from Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. Played by Mark Pillow. Jeez. And he looks insane. It's the awesome. way he draws him. It looks crazy. I Dude, love it's it. It's so awesome that he brought nuclear man into this. <laughs> And and he's wearing Superman's cape, which of course Zar is is just infuriates him because it's that it's that 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 sigil, that family crest, the House of Vel. Um, they leave me here with their broken dreams, and and Zar basically just does what Rogozar apparently does, and um, it it for him it was satisfying. Uh, for me, it was a bit of a bummer, but it kind of I mean I'm fine with it considering how great this character could be, but um, Zar is, is face-to-face with Superman, who is um, is in the Phantom Zone, but Superman is... Um, he, he doesn't know... Superman knows what's out there, and he also knows he doesn't know mm-hmm. what else is out there. So he knows he's got to get back to Earth because without the Yellow Sun... He's, his his powers aren't going to last for so long, so he's got to go back. He's got to go back to Earth. He's got to go back to the Fortress of Solitude, and um, and and that's when Rogozar realizes he he needs an army. Um, so Superman goes back to Fortress of Solitude. He's he's hanging out with uh, with Flash. Um, Flash is uh, he's like you know I I didn't know you I, I didn't get the housewarming invite to to the new Fortress of Solitude. Superman's like listen dude you know I, you don't have to be here I'm here now, and and. Uh, Barry's just kind of he's he's bouncing ideas off Superman I, I instead of Barry is basically being the reader because anything that, that you might want to ask or, or have a question about or, or, or want to consider um, the Flash is kind of doing that and, and I thought that instead of Superman just constantly thinking about things or playing devil's advocate with himself um, there's a character he can kind of have ideas bounced off of and um 
but because of the earth and, and being in the phantom zone, things are not, um, uh, everybody is being affected. I, the, the, there's the, it's away from, I mean, it, 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 it's no longer tethered to the moon or the sun. There, there's just, there's the whole, I, the earth and its inhabitants aren't, um, aren't going to be faring well the longer they're in the phantom zone. So uh, while all of this is happening, Superman realizes the, because everything's been going on, he's been a little preoccupied, but um, the issue ends with his thought that uh, he may never be his family again. And then um, it has to be continued. So it, like I said, it, 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 when I finished the issue, I was a little surprised that it was over. But then when I went back and, and I looked at everything that was in this issue, um, there aren't a ton of words. It's not a very text heavy issue, but it is very beautifully illustrated. And as long as you kind of appreciate the work that went into those pages to, to, to tell the story that they're trying to tell, um, it really kind of shouldn't be, be a quick read, but I, I thought it was a fantastic issue. I enjoyed the second issue. I enjoyed the first issue. I think this one was a smidge better, but for me, it was demonstrably better. Okay. All yeah. right. Yeah. Um, so I'm, fu- I'm now fully on board at least for the arc. Hot. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, you said, it, you said it well, it's just, and yeah, Yvonne Heiss is just a freaking beast. Yes. Um, all right, in your travels, uh, gonna give a little love to one of our peoples. Wait, we didn't even do that. Dude. We didn't even do it. Oh, yet. that was noted. This was just <laughs> this we was were... in your travels. No, no. Oh, okay. Sicky, sicky. Hey, everybody, uh, please go to our sponsor, Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. If you want to save money on your comics, and who doesn't, Jason? But. We don't all have that kind of scratch. Of course we do. DCBService.com. I have that kind of scratch because I save money on things. That's can, right. right. Can save you money. For example, from Viz, it's the Frankenstein hardcover by Junji Ito from, uh, let's see, $22.99 to $11.49, your price. Boom has Yodorowsky and Ledron, Sons of El Topo. Hardcover, Volume 1, Kane. For nine ninety nine, that's half off. And from Dynamite, Mars Attacks number one, three ninety nine. Nope, your price one ninety nine. In your travels, <clears throat> Jason kind of kind of laughed at me for finally getting around to read this, but it took me a while. Oh, and <laughs> yeah, it took me a while, and I'm glad I finally I had it sitting on my bookcase, still shrink wrapped, and. I looked at it. I was like, Dad, I need to read this. And um, it is Green Lantern, Earth One, Volume One by Gabriel Hardman, Karina Becco, and Jordan Boyd. I don't know, you know, what to say about it other from uh, to add to what Jason said, other than it's a great Green Lantern story. Um, it's an atypical Green Lantern story in that it doesn't, it doesn't. It's not our Earth. Um, Hal's not obviously our Hal. This is a Hal that is disenfranchised and feels like he was set up. Um, he was exploited, and so he bugs out and goes on his own. He was working for NASA, uh, but he uh, gets a job as an asteroid miner by Ferris um, mining. 
And that's when things go a little go a little crazy. Finds the ring, um, encounters Manhunters and Kilowog, and it's it's. I thought it was entirely enjoyable. Uh, they cover a lot of ground in this, in not a whole lot of pages. Like it felt like it was a lot longer than it actually is. What is it? One hundred twenty-eight pages. Yeah, you, you know. If, if. But I mean, you get the guardians and yeah, a lot of familiar faces, um, like our universe or the you know the, the DC universe proper. The guardians are not entirely altruistic. True. Um, they they fucked up and they um, their police corps became a little too big for their britches, so they created the Manhunters to smack them down a couple of pegs, and that didn't go well. Um, but the, 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 it does deviate from um, textbook Green Lantern lore, and I think it, oh, for sure. it benefits for that. Um, Kilowog is not the same Kilowog, but it's it's cool. Um, I loved it. Dap, did you, did you enjoy it? I did enjoy it. Um, it is, it is a very different take. Um, the ring, the ri- right, and that's and and that's fine. This is this is Earth One. This is uh, it, it's I. This is the only Earth One book I've read. Um, I the ring didn't find Hal. Um, I, I I appreciated the. The kind of more more modern take on on the whole concept. It, it's um it, it's it's takes place in in space more than it does um, Hal being a test pilot. It it's I, I enjoyed those aspects of it. I dug Hillowog. Um, there was something written though in the back matter that really didn't pan out as far as I could tell in in the issue itself. Um, at least as far as the pitch for the story went, but the, um, the, it was, it didn't, I don't want to say it didn't stray or I, I thought the whole idea with, with the, um, once, once Hal was, uh, captured and, and became a miner and there were, there were little things that, um, Brought it from like a, a an eighty sci fi movie to, to to almost like a Temple of Doomed kind of movie, and and there were, uh, but the message, the story was 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 I thought was really really strong. Um, mm-hmm. I I, ex- you, I expected a hell of a lot more out of this than you know the Batman Year One or the Superman Year One because of the creative team, and sure they didn't disappoint. Like if if it wasn't for Hal, there would be no Green Lantern Corps. Right, right. So the second volume coming, right? I hope so. I mean, they definitely set it up with with yeah. No, uh, but I think it was just recently announced. Oh, excellent. Yeah, but I mean, he he in essence finds the ring and becomes this this quote hero. But had he not done that, the the lanterns would have been almost like a a myth. Yeah, a better than afterthought. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So Uh, because you know. Kilowog is only doing what he could do and it's not like he was leaving his planet too often so yeah everybody was kind of it was just 
Green Lanterns were almost like an urban legend. I mean, yes, the jewelry existed, but you know there was no there was nobody to show them to lead them the way. And and um, you know, I, I thought seeing Arissa and and Salik and and even Sinestra, I think that there were for for long time Lantern fans, I think there were some neat little nods and 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 winks. Um, but as far as you know, getting a A, a different approach. I, I have no problems with it. I thought, um, I mean, it looks fantastic. Absolutely. But yeah, I, I, uh, I really dug it. I know I was, I'm, I'm fine with this idea with this, the way it played out here, mm-hmm. because we are so very far removed from the DC universe proper right. from, so mm-hmm. it, it's, Whatever, however you want to manipulate the um, the origins, it's pretty much a blank slate. So, so uh, Gabe and and Karina were able to do tell a pretty cool story with a pretty familiar um, character, and and I, I'm I'm glad they were I'm glad they had the chance to I'm glad they did, and I am looking forward to the second volume. Yeah, Hal just wants the truth. That's it. He can handle, he can handle it. the truth. He just wants a little bit of truth. Yep. All right. Uh, uh, now it's time for in your travels. Uh, <laughs> well, that that wasn't mine. We're not going to get him to do his in your travels tonight. My in your travels is a um, is a number one from Image. I didn't talk about Image tonight. Um, the New World by oh. yeah, Alishkot and Trad Moore wow. and color artist Heather Moore. Didn't you didn't read us yet? No. Oh, dude, I, you have to. Uh, I'm not sort of a. No, I know, I know. And, but this was, this doesn't feel like Days of Hate. It doesn't feel like okay. Zero. It doesn't feel like anything else that, that I'm familiar with. Okay. I just, I, I really dug it. it it's, mm-hmm. um, it's post nuclear, uh, it, on, in, um, in the spring of 2037, nuclear devices simultaneously exploded over the metropolitan areas of five major cities of the United States of America. And uh, basically now the United States of America consists of n- the new California, no man's land, which takes up the majority of um, the Northwest and Midwest, uh, the Union of Federations, which is basically the Southeast and the United States of East Americas, which is the Mid-Atlantic and, and Northeast. But um, it's it's set in the future. The art is fantastic. Fantastic, and um, I think Vince will dig the colors. It's it just I'm not I'm not going to get into it. I just I was um, Stella Maris is a fantastic character. Um, the the name of our uh, in air quotes hero is fantastic because he is uh, Kirby Shikaku. Miyazaki and it is I didn't know what to expect and by the time I finished the issue I I wanted more right away I I thought it was I thought it was great I I really do and um, I need somebody else to read it so we can kind of gush on it I have it it's a double sized issue too it's big yeah it is it is big it is big and Maris is hot but yeah I think um 
Yeah, I, 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 I want somebody else to read it. I'll do that. Okay. Your turn. What oh, you nice. Yes. <laughs> um, so we talk about the direct market a lot. We talk about previews a lot, DCBS. Um, I would assume most of our listeners know how the whole deal works, but there's a thing called final order cutoff. And that is the last day that your local comic shop can pre-order something. So they, they put their first order in when previews comes out, and then they have a window, roughly three weeks, where they can adjust their order based on uh, people walking in the store and asking for the book or uh, subscribers submitting their own pre-order forms or what have you. But it's an important date because basically once final order cutoff happens, that's whatever number of issues was ordered is the number of issues that are going to quote-unquote sell of that comic. And I bring this up because our good friend and frequent guest on the show, Mr. Scotty Young, has his next creator-owned book's first issue coming due first order cutoff, final order cutoff uh, next week on the 13th. And that book is a book that is extremely near and dear to uh, our hearts because in a very small way, we had a hand in it, in it happening. And that is uh, Bully Wars by Image Comics, written by Scotty, with art by Aaron Conley. And longtime listeners know that we have uh, been fans of Aaron since he got his start in comics, uh, most notably with Sabretooth Swordsman. Uh, and we were able to introduce Aaron, who was a huge Scotty fan, uh, to Scotty, because, of course, we know him, uh, at Heroes several years back. And that led to them becoming buddies and uh, gaining mutual respect for one another. And that led to them deciding to do this creator-owned book together. So, because uh, we got it like that, Scotty was kind enough to send us copies, advanced copies of the book. And I'm not going to go into great detail because, again, it's uh, two months away from coming out. And I don't want to spoil it for you all because you should buy it yourselves. But I can tell you that it's excellent. And it is an all-ages book. Very important distinction because I think some people look at I Hate Fairyland and presumed it might have been an all-ages book. And then once you read an issue, you realize it is, in fact, not an all-ages book. This is just the opposite. It is an all-ages book. It is perfectly fine for you to read to your kids. In fact, it's designed for that. Scotty even compares it to Captain Underpants and Diary of a Wimpy Kid when he talks about it. And I think those are very apt comparisons. The premise is beautiful in its simplicity. Uh, it's a town called Rottenville, uh, a town that happens to have a preternaturally high number of bullies. And we are introduced to a group of protagonists, uh, Spencer, Edith, and Ernie. It is the first day of high school. Uh, Spencer is your classic, well-natured nerd. He is a bookworm. He has all of his books for school. He has bonus books and extra research. He's just a total geek. And his best friends, Spencer and, uh, sorry, Ernie and Edith are twins. Um, Edith is a, um, she seems like she's a reasonably intelligent uh, student as well. Er, Ernie, not so much. Ernie is sort of a giant uh, ogre-like, lurch-like dude who doesn't even bring a backpack to his first day of school. But they're all good kids, and they're all kids that are very used to being bullied. And who are they bullied by? Well, they're bullied most of the time, most of their life, by Rufus, who believes himself to be the toughest, biggest bully in Rottenville. But anyone that's uh, not old enough to forget their days in high school, it's one thing being an eighth grader when you're top uh, top dogs in middle school, but those eighth graders quickly become ninth graders. And in ninth grade you are back to being the low men or women on the totem pole. 
And that is what happens to Rufus. Rufus is in high school getting ready to be the bully that he's always been. And there are much bigger, much badder bullies that have his number. And they, they torture and they, they, they destroy him, make his life absolute hell. Turns out there's a thing in this town called the Bully Wars. We don't know much about it, but we're led to believe that it is an annual contest that establishes the pecking order, kind of like the world's strongest man for the bullies. And Rufus hasn't even been invited, so he's feeling all he's all up in his feelings. And it gets to the point where uh, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So we are uh, presented with the idea that Rufus is going to team up with his uh, with his tormentee Spencer and presumably Edith and Ernie, and they are going to help him win the Bully Wars. Now. Why do they want to help him win? What do they have to gain from it? That's that's a question I'm sure Scotty and Aaron will answer in future issues. But uh, I loved it. I thought that it was uh, it, it's it's it is perfectly in the wheelhouse for uh, preteen and early teen young boys. I think that my sons this is perfectly in their in their demographic. And um, if you all heeded our pleas and read Sabretooth Swordsman. Uh, you you can picture Aaron's artwork in your head. I will say this is a different style. I give him credit. He switched up a bit. It's hyper detailed. There are visual cues and, and little bits of uh, eye candy and Easter eggs all over every page. So he does not he does not uh, take a panel off. But uh, but it's a different style. It's a little more um, the characters a little more exaggerated, a little more cartoony, um, a little more um, each each character's drawn. Uh, with with extremely different body types and and not traditional anatomy, uh, I think it works really well for the context. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, I'm all in. And it's also colored by uh, the aforementioned uh, Mr. Boulot, uh, who is Scotty's main colorist. So um, you can order it if you haven't already. It's Diamond Code. Uh, well, there's two because there's a Scotty cover and an Aaron cover. Um, these the Aaron cover is. Uh, diamond code JUL180096 and the Scotty cover is diamond code JUL180097 and uh, oh there's there's one other cover I it says by Brown I'm assuming by not, I don't know who that would be it's not Ryan Brown because it's with no E but uh, there's a third cover but don't order that one order either the Aaron or the Scotty one and uh, get your order in this week if you haven't already. It was a fun issue. Oh, you read it? Cool. Yeah. I don't know if you had time. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's. Per- I mean, it's perfect for what it is. Yeah. You know. And it is an ongoing, by the way. For for those wondering, I didn't mention that. But it will only be an ongoing if it sells, like all independent comics. Cool. So buy it. Yeah. It's neat stuff. I didn't get to read it, but I looked through it. Nice. Yeah, it's beautiful. You agree? It's a, it's a, it's, it looks good, but it's a, to, it's a big departure for Aaron. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very, very exaggerated, um, mm-hmm. cartoony, exaggerated, but it's great. Yeah. Yeah. All right, everybody. Hey, thank you for being here with us one more time around. Uh, we'll be back next week. Well. Well, we, we will. We will be back next week. <laughs> That's we collective. Yeah. The the show will be back next week. Yeah, it's a we. Chime in this week if you want it to be just Dap and I or you want us to have a guest. Let us know. There you go. 
Say goodnight. Wow. <laughs> David. That was my phone. Sorry. Good night. Always blowing up my phone. <laughs> David. We'll give it to you. I <laughs> uh, appreciate that, you know, being yeah. a birthday boy and all. That's all. We'll give it to you. Come back, people. We'll have some kind of uh, something nice and wet and maybe salty for you next week. Mmm. Yard. Later.